This is episode seven of the Sovereign Path Podcast. I'm your host, Devin. I didn't stand in line at the pharmacy for my daily dose, nor did I purchase a ticket for a cruise to retirement. Dreaming American is a coffin, slave to living a worker bee in a box of indifference, not a loose grip on given circumstances, but pure unbridled indifference. Across the pond that does not the life of leisure, siestas, and Mediterranean sun in abundance, or the indoor treat of a downward spiral dressed in pretty lights and flowers. To be a master of none, dipping a timid toe on the edge of deep, dark waters. Briefly fascinated by the war below, but numbed by the haze above. There are honest men who work whose wars are true and simple. But the crowd see these men as reflections, yet their mirrors are false and broken. I saw the road before me and swore I wanted to scream. At first in fear I walked it, just before the sleep. The guides urged me to sleepwalk into an empty ending, but I stood so still bleeding the truth of hardcore trails. And I rushed off the wide road, blocking out the warnings of how every day I'd suffer not knowing where I'd slumber. Under sunshine tricking masses into warped concepts of peace, leisure-bearing comfort, and regrets under its costumes. But of course it will be painful, the masses echo deep. Yet I saw a beauty that will never fade in dark waters where I could drown. Of might and will and sacrifice that lead to a true faith, where convictions bring true actions and existence hard from stone. To drive others to fight for a world that only brings them joy knowing they'll face the suffering and discomfort of the day. But with this hopeful service, pious choices might be made. And knowing this from dusk till dawn, I'll endure the pain. So keep your leisure in sunshine, and I'll take blood and rain. That poem is one of my favorite poems ever. And for those of you who are familiar with the corner of corner of the internet that I inhabit, that voice and that poem is very familiar to y'all. So most of you know who Arthur Dane is, the content creator behind Blood and Rain, a man with a true assassin's mindset, who's a devout Orthodox Christian, a trained actor and singer, a future glory kickboxing world champion, and a future Nobel Prize winning writer. He's also a handsome bass motherfucker and a great friend of mine, and it's been a long time coming having him on my podcast. Thanks for coming, brother. How are you? Uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm very well, thank you, and thank you for all the kind words of introduction. It's great to be here. Well, I mean every one of those, man. I wasn't being facetious. I, um, you know, you've talked before about your about your goals of um, being a master in two fields: the uh, academic intellectual field of writing and eventually earning a Nobel Prize in writing. And then you also are a trained martial artist and fighter in Muay Thai, and you've spoken about your goal of being a glory middleweight world champion, and I believe in those. I believe 100% that you're going to achieve those goals. So I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just telling people what to expect. Well, I greatly appreciate that, and I will absolutely stop at nothing to accomplish uh, both of those goals, as God wills it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, I, I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Of course, man. 
appreciate you having me on your podcast today. Do do very much enjoy listening to. Thank you, thank you, man. Yeah, I mean. I'm just getting started with it, but it's been a really fun project. And it, um, my friend Elijah, who we both know, Bank Trapper, was actually the guy who challenged me to do it. And I kind of had a little imposter syndrome at first. I was like, who wants to hear me talk? <laughs> like, who wants to hear me talk? Like, a lot of what I say has already been said, and maybe I'm just rehashing it with my own flavor. But he put me onto it, and then I was, at, well, I switched my mindset, and I was thinking, well, this isn't. It's not only about me. What I, what I can do is I can give people a platform to express themselves, who have value to share and wisdom to share that, you know, people who follow me don't know about yet. And so, I look at my podcast as a service product to people. I'm here to serve people, both the guests that I have on to give them a platform to express themselves sincerely, and um, and with something valuable to bring to the table, and then my listeners hopefully can learn something from it which of course that requires them being open-minded to it of course but i look at it from a a service standpoint instead of a me 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 standpoint and that, that, that's key man i mean that's what everyone should be striving for i mean god shout out to elijah man god bless that guy like, yeah for sure uh, you know he really when he was a guest on my you know I, I wouldn't know him if it wasn't for your podcast actually mm-hmm. uh, i said who, who is this guy i want to talk to him and uh, I'll be, you know, be collaborating with him in his services of independent banking that everyone should be looking into mm-hmm. uh, at some point in the near future. Um, but, you know, he really hit the nail on the head uh, when he came on as a guest of mine as well, saying that to be a servant is the highest honor. Like, we've distorted the role of being a servant. And everything we do, I mean, I try to have my writing and my podcast be a service in some way, uh, just the same as yours. Mm-hmm. Even, even the goals that I have for myself as field mastery had since about was about well, one was born really when I was 15 the other one was uh, 19 um, you know I want those to ultimately be a service too it's really not just for me actually when I focus on myself when it comes to them they, they fall apart immediately when I focus on a greater why and being of service to others then everything falls in place the energy is infinite honestly mm-hmm. um, so being, being a servant is, is key in this life absolutely mutual reciprocation Something that people seem to miss out on. Yeah, they like making loners of, loners of us all. Yeah. Well, it makes sense when you think about how it's designed. The world's modernity, you know, we use that colloquial term right there because it seems to land the most. Modernity is turned into a consumer culture. So that's what everybody does. They consume. And I think you can agree that consumer culture is very egotistic. It's very ego-driven. It's very appetite-driven. It's... Me, 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 me. I need to feed, whether it's physically feeding and, you know, you see people eating themselves into obesity or they're trying to feed their mind. They want entertainment. They want the dopamine rush. So what do they do? In fact, what do they call it when you, on streaming services? Binging. I'm binging on Netflix. Binging is a term we tend to use for eating. So it's no wonder people forgot about mutual reciprocation all too many of them are thinking about me 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 i need to feed i'm hungry i'm starved for something yes mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I get like kind of alarmed with people's you know lack of awareness with language i mean like yeah i was binging i was you know binge watching a netflix so it's like you know if i replaced binge watching a netflix with binge drinking you would have a much different reaction what makes you think that this is okay yeah. What, what makes you think that the word binge is suddenly 
okay because you're gonna watch 40 episodes of Frasier in a row like it's <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think people are really like stopping to think but then again most no. people don't stop to think in general so no, no, they're too enveloped in greed and gluttony. Greed and gluttony. I'm not greed and gluttony. I'm sorry. I, I completely said that wrong. I'm going to correct myself. Sloth and gluttony. Yeah, they're they're guess. they're enveloped in sloth and gluttony. I mean, yes, absolutely. There's a, a greed element to it. Like I said, consumerism is greed driven, both for the people profiting off of it and then the people who are constantly consuming. They're very greedy. They just want to hoard all this stuff to themselves because they're just they're. They're trying to escape pain, essentially. But anyways, I don't want to diverge into that tangent yet. Uh, what I meant to say was sloth and uh, sloth and gluttony. Yeah, I mean, sloth, I, I want to say sloth is probably the most socially acceptable sin, mm-hmm. honestly. Especially in today's day and age. And what you, what you actually have is a counterbalance, like a false counterbalance that comes out of this, which is like hustle culture and... I'm no stranger to working like 16 hours straight with a purpose that's mm-hmm. a bit different, like, mm-hmm. but it's actually conscious. It's like I am, you know, Jesus was a part of the Essenes, um, and they were incredibly hardworking people. You see the monks in Mount Athos, they sleep three hours a night, you know, every night. They're constantly in prayer, they're constantly in acts of service, that's one thing, but it's all conscious. Mm-hmm. What you see with hustle culture is a false opposition put by whatever we'll call them, the false powers that be to, you should either be consuming Netflix, you should be completely slothful, or you should just be racing nonstop to the point where you don't know where it's going on. The commonality between both of those is they're not conscious. They don't want you to be conscious. They don't want your efforts to be put in the right direction. They either want want there to be no efforts at all or towards the wrong direction. Um, So sloth, I, I talk about pride having a shadow. Just self hatred, but I think sloth also like has this weird hidden shadow of hustle culture because at the end of the day, you're actually not doing what you're supposed to anyway, which can be sloth. It doesn't matter if you're doing all the busy work, it's mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is, man. It's, it's you know, it, it's um, it's crazy. The the wiser I get, for lack of better words, or rather, the more educated I get on religious scripture and the lessons within the more I see just how much of the seven deadly sins has totally conquered most of our culture all of it pride envy lust and then seeing it manifest in so many people whether it's the people that are at the very top like all these CEOs and big tech and big pharma and politicians etc you know global homo cabal whatever you want to call them but then also the average people that we're around all the time that are more or less caught up in it they're unconscious just kind of sleepwalking around it's insane seeing it's it's uh it's painful to be completely candid it's painful seeing it i hate seeing people like this and and not just because i care about people in general i want the best for everybody but also because it puts them, uh, it puts me at such friction with them as well. It's frustrating dealing with people like that, and I get into conflicts with them, for lack of better words. No, no, that's actually that's the word. I get into conflict with them. I do one thing that they disagree with, and then the next thing you know, it's just like piranhas nibbling at me. It's just like fuck off. I don't have time for this. I got something productive to do. Don't you have something? Don't you have something to go do? <laughs> Man. But they've, they've become so slothful and they've become so lazy and their lives are so easy that they don't have problems and 
they just so they look for problems to invent just so that they can feel something which is what I think I think the reason they do that the reason they shit stir drama and they get offended so easily is because they want to feel something and if that means feeling offended then so be it they want to feel something they want to be a part of something without actually doing something, actually doing something. Mm-hmm. I mean I've, I've noticed this when I was an actor back in the day it wasn't it wasn't in a play I was working on I was actually at the gym in London and I had this thing where like for a split second I was like so worried about the way that I looked working out rather than actually working out I was like oh that's weird and I like, had this epiphany like problem with this generation is a bunch of people want to look like they're doing something but not actually do something yes uh, it's bizarre that, that, that's, that's why it's actually why I, I went on this I don't want to say rant but I went on this sort of little monologue about um, aesthetics not being everything uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think aesthetics are everything I'm like <laughs> I'm yeah right wing bodybuilding would like to talk with you yeah yeah that's I don't really give a shit if they want to talk to me or not <laughs> The reason for that is aesthetics are amazing. Um, you know, I love looking at great classical art. I love looking at nature. Um, but the the hidden things of men are everywhere. So I've known that from combat. Combat is an expression of humanity. And effective combat is deception. So it's, it's going to look one way, but not actually be one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's that's a very inherent truth. Um, so it, it can the, the the problem with judging things completely by aesthetics is you're you're opening a blind spot to just get absolutely murdered uh, once that blind spot is capitalized on. Um, and that's that's the case with much of what's, of what's wrong with our culture. It's a lot of people trying to look like they're doing something about actually do something. And that's when people try strive for aesthetics, and those aesthetics actually become hollow. There's nothing we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that collapses very quickly. It does. Uh, our, super, our culture has become so superficial and, and it's mostly due to how popular, incredibly popular and prevalent social media is in our, like, in society now. The, it's really frustrating when I go hiking somewhere and I'll see some couple and they look like your typical Instagram influencer types. Like, you can look at them and you can tell a lot of what they are is very superficial and, and therefore they're superficial. They don't really have anything going on inside. They likely have no inner monologue so for the, you know what type of people I'm talking about. They're always the type to say it's not that deep, right? So I'll be on a hiking trail, and they'll they'll just show up, and then they'll just take like a couple of pictures to make it look like they they're doing something, and then they'll leave. And it's like, hold on, you haven't even like you just got on the trail. There's still half a mile to go to get on top of this peak. Are you, like, did you really drive all this way just to take that one little photo with the scenery and leave, and make it look like you hiked this trail? Who are you trying to convince? Because real hikers are going to understand that you just took a photo at basically right at the foot of the hill, but you have no photos at the top because you don't want to get uncomfortable because that's symbolic of you having to put in some real work and some sweat and some grit to get to that top, which you've completely missed out on because that's the superior view. If you wanted aesthetics, you should have just you know, applied some elbow grease and hiked for two hours and got a little sweaty and a little uncomfortable and maybe you had to swat some insects away. But you could have had something much deeper and richer and profound. And when people do that, I find that extremely frustrating. It's very sad. It doesn't affect it doesn't affect me too deeply, obviously, because I just go the whole trail and I enjoy it and I get all those 
gifts out of it. It's that they're influencing other people to, to do the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it's almost a reflection of our, of our academic culture as well. Like how many mm-hmm. people you know actually know the, the, the contents of the class? And how many people do you know that are just amazing at gaming a test? You know, like there's some amazing test takers out there who don't know jack shit about what they actually study. For sure. I, I know a lot of people like that here at the university I go to. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all over the place when it comes to the American education system. Uh, there are no real shortcuts. There are fast tracks, meaning sprints condensing everything you need to do in very short periods of time mm-hmm. and staying present. I mean, having them never leave your mind, that's very capable. It's very difficult, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that like that's actually the same as... You know, when they take these sort of shortcuts, um, they're not, these people aren't changed. It's like, it's almost, I see these people too, like, they always dress in the same kind of, um, you know, soulless gym wear. And I almost say, like, tell me you haven't. <coughs> gym <know>. shark. <coughs> yeah, gym shark. Thank you, swoosh. You know, it's like, tell me you don't have a personality with that time. You don't have a personality. And that's actually not me trying to dunk on Like, I'm not trying to quote-unquote dunk on some plebs you know I guess like it's actually out of concern for my fellow man it's like do you know who you are because it doesn't look to me that you do and if it's a work in progress type thing well that person's still figuring out that's different at least to try Mm -hmm. these people don't even know it's a problem you know that's why that's why that kind of tough love that kind of tough social love is necessary we've nerfed all the edges and now if you say something that even sounds like you vaguely disagree with it all these people get uptight and butthurt because they've been exposed you've pulled the mask off of them and they're like oh i've been caught out on my bullshit i'm insecure shit my my brittle ego's cracking at the seams Mm -hmm. that's why a modicum i've said this before a modicum of bullying is actually good for society meaning that people are getting vibe checked when they're not living up to the standard I don't mean I don't mean I don't mean abuse. I mean like you like what you said. You're not dunking on them. Like Ben Shapiro, he dunks on liberals all the time, but we all know Ben Shapiro's full of shit, so he probably just gets a little joy out of doing it. What he's not doing is actually making any change like any of those conservatives. But dunking on someone out of concern, that's what I mean when I say bullying. Like when you like I used to bully my little brother out of concern. Not all the time. Sometimes I would just pick on him as, as a way to do things. But I, I learned that from my dad because my dad would do that to me. And as a kid, I'd get really upset. But now as a grown man, I realized the reason my dad was doing that is he was building t- he was giving me thick skin. He taught me how to have thick skin. That's what we need. We need to bring a little bit of like teasing and mild bullying back into society to keep people sharp and be like, hey, you know, there's a reason why we're doing this to you. There's a reason we say these things. There's a reason we pick on you and kind of target you. It's not because we just want to, like, use you as a punching bag. It's because you could be so much fucking better and you're not even and you're not even conscious of it. You're not conscious that you could be better. If you're going to act this way, if you're going to be superficial, if you're going to be retarded, if you're going to be a lobotomite, understand your options and then make a sober fucking choice. I don't know about bullying women, like, I really, I really don't know. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know. Um, like, I always heard, you know, in high school, um, you know, guys is, oh, you fucking losers, you fucking bitch ass, they walk away, fuck, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that guy. 
Girls say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Oh my god, you're so pretty. Walk away. I fucking hate that bitch. Like it's, oh, like, yes. They scheme for years. They do. Since I don't know, I'm not going to say whether it would or wouldn't work. I'll sort of limit this to men. I think, yeah, a certain amount of bullying. Uh, not bullying. I don't, I don't like that word. Uh, like a certain amount of, like you said, vibe checking. Yeah. Kind of just, just keep, keep keeping each other. I call it tough love. That's what I like. I like to call it tough love. It's like I'm giving you some tough love because I'm not doing this to abuse you because I have some damage that I need to project on you. It's because I see these traps you're living in and I'm going to do this to make you aware that your foot is caught in a trap. You got your foot caught in a fucking trap and I'm going to make you aware of it and you're going to get a little butthurt at me, at me because you think that that bear trap is something that's good for you. I'm going to make you aware of it and what that's doing is... I'm taking the responsibility that was always yours and I'm putting it on your plate and I'm making you do something with it. Like, hey, guess what? You have an accountability for your fucking actions. You don't get to walk around on autopilot because you walking around on autopilot is indicative of millions of people doing the same thing and now here we are with our freedoms being enroached on every day. Every day it's cut your kid's dick off. It's get the fucking vaccine, get the second vaccine, get the third vaccine, we might shut down. Inflation's good for you. That's why. That's why we need to bring tough love and vibe checking back and start holding people accountable because because all these things are connected. If they can't even be aware of their own superficial bullshit, how are they going to be aware of the psyops that got them there in the first place? I, I would uh... Mm-hmm. It's a micro level like this, or a macro level. It's our culture that's well. We can get into culture and consciousness later, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, after that talk we had earlier in the year. Um, but it, it's it's the micro affecting the macro. Um, you know, me personally, I got the most out of coaches or people or mentors that I knew. Like I knew they had my best interests at heart, and they absolutely fucking tortured me. Mm-hmm. Like they knew that I got the most out of just like drowning in completely being tortured like that was mm-hmm. that's that's where I live and live to this day um, but even lighter things I remember when I was post bartending uh, the first team I started with it was a very unique team I thought about bars were like this in the air, but most certainly are not um, there was a bar full of you know ex you know military guys and uh, and martial artists and it's, the two girl bartenders were just badass female bartenders but they didn't actually infringe upon this very all male culture mm-hmm. You know, one guy took a smoke break too long. So what happens then? The, the GM buys candy cigarettes. So quote unquote, he, other people who don't smoke can waste everyone's fucking time too. Um, there's a new menu of, of cocktails. And I saw one guy had the, the flashcards for too long. You know, it was like three weeks since I had the new menu. Flashcards for the recipe. And I went over to him and I said, "We got those flashcards for, huh? You got a spelling bee coming up or something?" And like the next day, he didn't have them again. He had all the shit memorized. Yeah, a little bit of that. Stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that thick skin is good, especially for men. I think men is key. Since men lead society, or at least they're supposed to. Uh, D- they'd be certainly better equipped to lead society if they weren't on autopilot and had a thick skin. Mm-hmm. So. And on the flip side, I guess maybe something I, I pray every morning, uh, Orthodox prayers. And this has less to do with vibe checking. I think this is actually something different now that I think about it. In terms of enlightening the eyes of someone's understanding. Uh, it says, teach me, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have actually it's part of prayers memorized, but um, teach me to walk uprightly in the faith I profess without embittering and embarrassing others. 
and it's a lot of times when you make something bitter, they're of the same opinion still. If they're embarrassed, they're of the same opinion still. They're like, in, I had this conversation with Holy Nun and Acreon. He said it wonderfully. It's like, yeah, they're still practicing. They don't actually agree with you. They, they're just practicing comebacks in the shower. You know, and they could have said it, but didn't say it. They never had the balls to say um, So there's like the, the, the external aspect of it where you're, you're vibe checking people. There's the internal aspect of it too, where you're more embodying the ideal. Mm-hmm. And in such a way that people admire it and they actually start the changes within themselves too. So mm-hmm. you have to sort of gauge who needs what. If they're inherently lazy, yeah, kind of dunk, dunk on them a little bit. Mm-hmm. If they're, they're really trying but they're sort of struggling, just have a little bit more distance and body accordingly and they'll get inspired. Yeah, people <clears throat> people that are already making the positive changes, those people shouldn't be bullied. They, they already have an understanding. They're already They're already striving. They already know. They get it. They're they're beginners, but like you said, the people that are still completely engrossed in all of the bullshit, those are the people that you have to dunk on them a little bit. You gotta gotta kind of poke them a bit, like hey, 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 stop fucking eating so much. Go to the gym. Stop talking that way. Stop consuming porn. You're fucking yourself up, and you don't understand the influence you have on other people around you, hundreds of other people around you in your different circles. That's the see. That's the other thing is that nothing that we do, nothing that we do only affects us. It goes outwards. Everything we do goes outwards. It affects people. So that's why hypocrisy, like gross hypocrisy, is so bad. Like you can't be the type of guy that's preaching against sins and immorality, and then you're going and committing grievous sins. And it's not that we don't all sin frequently because we're human, but if you have Okay, if you have a well-respected leader in a community who's decrying something like sexual depravity, but then he's molesting his daughter behind closed doors, that's what I'm saying. There's nothing that people can do that doesn't affect others. And it's not just obviously – like even if that guy never gets caught, his daughter's going to carry that damage. And she's going to project that damage on other people like the – guy who tries to get into a relationship with her but they can't get into a relationship because she's fucked up and then she has kids the kids are going to be fucked up his wife is either going to know about it and she's not saying anything or she's going to get this weird feeling and just never going to be at ease everything we do it affects people and so that's why these I, that's why I think the bullying is, is a bit of a necessity because all these people are like this. The people that are unconscious is what I'm explicitly referring to. All these people that are unconscious and they're just sleepwalking through life, don't really know what's going on, they're all in the same vibrational frequency and it just feeds into each other. It feeds into each other because none of these people are shaking each other awake. And that's where men, that's where men like you and myself and all the other guys in our circle like Will and KJ and Elijah, that's where we come into place. We're here to rouse you people awake. You need to understand what's going on and then maybe for the first time in your life make a sober, conscious, aware choice of which path you're going to go on. Do you want to be a slave or do you want to be free? If you want to be a slave, you can do that. You can go right back into the bliss of your comfort. You know, you can take the blue pill or stay in the matrix whatever there's so many there's so many little catchphrases for it right you can you can you can just you can just literally keep doing what you're doing but make a sober choice first 
at least wake up first. You know, because I think most people when they wake up, they they understand they can never go back. Yeah, no, you really can't. I mean, you can you can pretend you can't really go back. Yeah. Um, you can you can pretend to go back to sleep, and it's this is coming from someone who maybe you know, attempted to uh, did, uh, attempted to go back, but could not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't um, going back in an awakening against you know these inherent truths that we know. It's just a certain thing that I tried to force the issue on. A certain thing that I said I was trying to have my cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people do need to be roused to action. They need they need to at least like you said be roused into the choice that either a you can keep being a slave, know that you're a slave though, or you can be sovereign. Yeah. You know, there's there's no in between there. There's no in between. You're you're either one or zero. Yeah. Um, but to you need to know that you're zero. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Don't 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 <laughs> don't act like you're hot shit. If you're just gonna if if you're aware that that's the life you're living, don't act like hot shit. It's like you're yeah. not sovereign, and there's a certain amount of extra respect that comes with being sovereign, marching to the yeah. beat of your Even if you don't agree with us, you're gonna fucking respect us. Yeah. 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 That's. That's abundantly accurate. It's just like it's gonna be this rude awakening that's gonna be near you at all times. It's gonna dig away at the parts of you that knows you're settling, um, and that's not going away just because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Because I couldn't care less. I'm glad you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You should feel uncomfortable. I want to feel uncomfortable all hours of the day because that means growing. Why on earth would I want a comfort zone? It's, and you shouldn't want one either. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I growing soft is is frightening to me. I don't ever no. want to grow soft. I'm I'm constantly like don't get me wrong, it's exhausting. I have to pace myself so that I don't, you know, get broken down and burned out, but I'm always striving to lean against something and, and have it push and I want it to push back on me. Like mm. which is what we're supposed to do. You know, they say, they say in the Bible, be in the world but not of the world. And what that means is for those of you listening, whether you're religious or not, but I know there's plenty of religious people who don't really understand what that means. When they say be in the world but not of it, it means that you're not a fucking consumer. You're not binging Netflix and eating like shit and not thinking for yourself. To be in the world but not of it means that you, you have to be sovereign. Think your own thoughts. Listen to what God's telling you. And it means that you're going to have to push against the world and understand it's going to push against you back. And the harder you push against it, the harder it's going to push against you. But the good thing is, because you're a sovereign individual, you choose your difficulty level. You choose how hard you push against it and when you need to take a rest break. Because everything's your fault and that's part of your responsibility. But that's what it means to be in the world and out of it. And we have the same concept in Islam as well. The, The deen and the dunya. The dunya is the material world that we inhabit and we have to find the balance with that as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that part's up to you. What pace you need to set. I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, God will tell you what pace to set if you're really listening. For me, he's trying to give me a slow down of it, which is annoying. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's very annoying, to be honest. Uh, but he's actually making me sort of assess uh, a lot of things for the long term. Um, you know, there's... This isn't, I'm not going to say this isn't or isn't biblical. Um, 
because I'm not going to give you a series of Bible verses to attach to this concept, but it's pretty inherent if you know the Bible well. Uh, that's the four archetypes, you know, king, magician, warrior, lover. Mm-hmm. Um, I really could, like, before, and this is a bit of background, I'll preface, um, I grew up sort of CEO Catholic, Christmas and Easter only Catholic, um, with, on my mother's side of the family, um, let's just say an inherited mystic tradition, whether we like it or not, it just depends on where that mystic sensitivity is pointed, because there are such things as Christian mystics, um, mm-hmm. which will piss off a lot of people be saying, but I honestly don't care. Um, and that was, that was sort of, um, on that side of the family, just sort of fearful, uh, except for my great-grandmother, um, until it was sort of reawoken by my mother and myself, and that's, that's I'm going to leave that there. That's the, the only thing I've ever missed but I started going to, I was, I sang in a church choir when I was in eighth grade, just as a, uh, as part of my applications for Catholic high school. Um, but I, I grew more in faith because there was one priest there who used to be a drug addict, but he was always. Um, and, you know, I, I went to Catholic high school, and then when I was in drama school in England, I was head of those. I was basically a last Christian. Then I went to an evangelical uh, church when I got back from England. Um, and became Orthodox in 2017. Um, I was off the path um, from about August of 2018 up until, uh, you know, really I want to say uh, January of this year, to be honest. Um, I didn't realize I was doing the prodigal son thing, but I was. And I'd eventually have to come back and give my life up all completely to God, everything. Um, and now that I'm sort of back in the faith, um, it's becoming clearer and clearer what is and what is not what is not of in, in alignment with God what is the will and what is not we have an idea of the way we look to script things and and so I mean for one, one thing when I first came to orthodoxy from 2017 to 2018 um, I was given a book a prayer book um, a orthodox study bible and a book that was the history of the orthodox church and I read about these people called the green martyrs there's white martyrdom, which is, you know, it's being a monk. Uh, mm-hmm. It's being a monk of Mount Athos, you know, you're lifelong celibate. Um, you're spending time fasting and praying uh, as close to God as possible. There's red martyrdom, which is a little less common nowadays, uh, which is dying for the faith. And there's green martyrdom, uh, which is the first of which was St. Christopher, was a man, he was a gargantuan man named Reprobus, who was looking to serve the greatest, the most powerful person, so he tries serving the king. He, he saw that the king was scared of the devil when the devil was mentioned, so he looked to go serve the devil. He found a, a bandit who called himself the devil and served him until he saw that that bandit saw a roadside cross. He says, I need to go serve God. So he finds the desert hermits in Egypt. They tell him, oh, fast um, you know, and pray. He says, well, these are not my gifts. He says, okay, well, you're a man of gargantuan stature. Why don't you carry people across the river? as your service to God. That would be your form of prayer. And Christopher one day has to carry a child across the river, and the child gets heavier and heavier and heavier until it's almost unbearable despite his large stature. So he prays to God for the strength to endure, and he barely makes it across. He collapses after he puts the child down, and he tells the child, you have endangered us, for you were the heaviest weight I have ever felt. And he says, the child says, 
you have the weight of sin on your shoulders, for I am the God you are praying to, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and let me vanish. Um, St. Christopher was the first of these, um, these martyrs through labor. I read this book in 2017, and I told my priest, I said, Father, I truly do not feel like a man who is set for marriage. I feel like, I feel like this is who I am, these green martyrs. And he says, I can tell that you're a truth seeker, so go forth and live the life as a Greek martyr. And I ran off with my ex fiance, turned fiance again, found the town, and I finally saw that out completely and came back to God and gave my life completely back up to God in prodigal son fashion. And I prayed to be living a life of grief martyrdom again, and I felt that denied. Now, the way I live my life now, there's sort of these archetypes, these four archetypes. Like I said before, the king, the warrior, the magician, and the lover. Before, I could care, I could not care less about the king and the lover. I cared about two things and two things alone. I cared about the warrior and the magician. I wanted to be the best at violence, and I wanted to be the best at creation. And now I feel, with everything given up to God, it's the king archetype is actually the most important thing right now. It's to actually organize and have everything in order in one's life and the lover archetype to actually enjoy it. So I'm enjoying both now that I'm sort of embodying both. And they're all coming into balance. The way my resistance is now, it's not a direct resistance. It's almost being out in the water. You're fighting the tide, pushing against the tide or pushing against the waves. It's different than pushing against something of solid granite. But that's the call that God has for me now in a very long-winded you know, <laughs> tangent there. But the reason I'm saying this, too, is we have a way we'd like to script things. We really would. But if our, if our will is in alignment with God's, then it'll point us more in the right direction. I wanted, and I told my priest this, I wanted this. And he says, well, the goal is that our will is in alignment with God's. So we can give something up to God, and he can grant it, or he can shift us in a different direction. That's what's happened to me, and it has been wholeheartedly fulfilled. So we, we, we have this free will, but it, at the same time, we don't. It's interesting. <laughs> it's another one of those literally mysteries that we try to understand as best we can with our limited human capacity. We have to fill in the gaps as best we can. As for me, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I ponder about it a lot. I pray to God about it. But I don't know. I have no idea. It's just one of those things that I hit my limit, which is very short, very short to the limit. And then I just say, okay, God, I'm not meant to know this unless you give me a little bit more information on it and we'll see what happens. And just There's definitely, yeah, we have, we have free will to literally to will things into happening and into creation here on earth, whether it's making a, you know, making a baby with my future wife or creating something with my hands out of wood like if I was to build a bookshop or something but then there's other things where we're going to have to go with the flow but we're not going with the flow unconsciously we're going with the flow, with the flow of God's will trying to, to submit to him and it's life to me seems like a constant balancing act of the two things where do I let go and let my faith in God carry me through and then where do I hop out of the flow for a little bit and plant my feet and do the work that I obligated to do in his service. Yeah, I mean, I, I met a 
sure you would have as well. Like, I've met a lot of like inactive Christians. Like, I'm waiting on God. Like, no, you're not. Yeah. Uh, like, actually, shout out to Forrest London. Forrest is not Christian or any kind of Abrahamic faith, but um, he's a Norse pagan. But he said something on Instagram. He said, you ask God, where were you? And God said, no, where were you? Yeah, where were you? Yeah, oh, man. I enjoy Forrest so much, man. He's my favorite Norse pagan. Yeah, big, big, big time. Same. He's sincere. You know, let me tell you what I enjoy about Forrest being a Norse pagan. Because it's, it's well, it's hit or miss with people of Abrahamic faith, too, as far as how sincere they are with the faith. But it's also it's also tricky with, with pagans, whether they're Norse pagans or other types of paganism. But it's tricky because a lot of times the, their gods are very ambiguous, and so, too, is their understanding of objective right and wrong and objective good and evil it's it's a bit fluid and it kind of ebbs and flows but what i like about Forrest is Forrest understands that there is a very real objective good and evil there's a very real objective right and wrong and he strives to live by that as best as possible just like us christians and muslims do and that's why i have so much respect uh respect for him because and i like that he dunks on the hypocrites in his own faith yeah. Because we're we're supposed to we're supposed to be checking each other within our own respective religious communities, we're supposed to check each other. If we know a man is not performing to the best visibility in the community, that man's a liability, and his influence yeah. is going to spread to his wife. It's going to allow her to let herself go. It's going to spread to their kids, and their kids are going to grow up to be underperformers too. And that's why, like, that frustrates me more than anything because I've seen this in my own communities that I've been in both back when I was a Protestant Christian and now that I'm a Muslim I've seen this um, in different communities and it's frustrating it's extremely frustrating because I'll go to service we'll talk about God and it'll be a good sermon like I'll, I'll learn something from it I'll glean some very valuable information we'll pray together it's very sincere feel God's presence there but they're still missing certain core components of being a well-rounded man a lot of it is fitness a lot of it's dietary and i don't know each all of these people's private lives of course but i wouldn't be surprised if those are coupled with some you know addictions that they got going on in the background maybe it's a pharmaceutical addiction maybe it's a porn addiction who who knows who knows but what i'm seeing are symptoms of weakness in them and that Okay, and again, this goes back to what I was saying that nothing that we do only affects ourselves. It affects peop- other people within our proximity. When a community is mostly weak men, that community is compromised. It's weak. And, and then they're throwing their hands up in the air asking God or asking the community why. Why is, uh, why is my daughter cutting her hair short and dyeing it pink or some other rainbow color and saying she's a lesbian now? Why is my son a Marxist? Why... Does my son have a porn addiction? Why is my son coming out as a homosexual? How did how did this propaganda get within our community? How did my where did I go wrong? And it's like you weren't paying attention, and not just to your kids. You weren't fucking paying attention to yourself. You let yourself go. You are the reason why your kid turned out like that. Because whether people want to admit it or not, the way kids turn out is because of the fucking parents. Why do you think? Why do you think that, that's why boys are statistically more likely to become criminals and felons when they don't have a father in the home and daughters without a strong male role model, i.e. the dad being there, 
they become those girls that people make memes about with the dad with the daddy issues and we can laugh at memes all day until the sun goes down but those memes are based off of a very dark reality those women are damaged and they don't know what to look for in a man and so they what do they do nine times out of ten they choose the worst possible partners to get knocked up by and become single mothers and we have these issues in various religious communities christianity and islam and it's because the fathers are not showing up to be the type of men that they need to be it's not enough for you to pray five times a day you have to be more than that you need to be physically fit you need to think your own thoughts you need to stop eating everything the fucking government tells you let me I'll, in fact i'll just I'll, I'll i'll take this one notch higher and then i'll get off my soapbox here I've noticed that in Islam, and I, I'm, this is me just being candid with my own community and my own religion, because I can talk about Christianity all day, but I have to be candid with my own religion and the problems that I see in it. Because, well, not a lot of people in our corner. I, look, I'm I'm a I'm a religious minority in our corner of the internet. How many Muslims do we have? You can count on one hand, dude. Most most people, most people in our corner of the internet, if they if they are religious, they're either Norse pagan or they're Christians. But they don't. So, so a lot of y'all don't really understand the problems that we have in Islam. And but let me, the reason I'm I'm talking about all these things is to let you guys know that we have the same problems, the same problems that you Christians have in y'all's community. We have them here in Islam in the West too, and that's men being weak and emasculated and neurotic, and anxious. And what do they do with their coping? Mecha- what do they do as coping mechanisms? Pharmaceutical pills. Believe the science. Get your Corona vaccine. It's pathetic and it's disheartening. Yeah. We have the same problems. We have the same problems here. There's this weird phenomenon where people immigrate from Islamic countries. They'll get here to the U.S. And I think maybe what it is is that the culture shock kind of runs them over. But for some reason, they just buy into everything that the government tells them, despite the fact that they openly know and are from countries that the U.S. government has spent the last 20 years bombing, raping, destroying, pillaging for natural resources, causing mass destruction of human life and untold quantities of suffering in many different ways. And then they get here to the U.S. and they buy everything that that same government tells them, no questions asked. Yeah, the combined thumos is too much.
you you can water the grass for your pet. I promise you. Yes. Okay? I absolutely promise you. You got something else where okay, let's say let's say you did fight the good fight. Let's say you were in that school board meeting about you know critical race theory or mm-hmm. about um by trying to teach your kids about being non-binary, all that, and you lost, right? There just wasn't enough effort there, and you don't want your kids subjected to that, and then you move. I get it. That makes sense. Absolutely. Are you, fighting, are you fighting the good fight locally? Probably not. You said, oh, man, I got to oh get, get to Montana. I got to get to Idaho. And I was just like, yeah, sure, maybe. Or maybe you could help the fight by starting a new front right in your back. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I see you, like what you're saying, God. I think it's I think someone's trying to deliver my groceries. Um, I uh, it's 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 not just limited to it's 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 not just limited to immigration. Like you actually need to revitalize things here and now. Mm-hmm. You're going to the home no, the ancestral homeland isn't gonna do anything about the situation. You're going you're going somewhere else is not going to do anything about the situation. Right? It it starts within. And therefore, when it starts within, you're the, you means, let's say you're a father too, you're a husband. If it starts within, you're making those changes the right way. It's the same thing we were talking about religion wise. If your faith is steadfast, good. What are you going to do with that faith? Well, if you're if you're a monk, cool. Well, there it is. Um, but if you're if you're a householder, if you're a husband, well, that what does that mean? We're called to lead our wives. So lead your wife accordingly. Help her not uh, be led astray. Right? We're the more vigilant gender. We're the we're the gender armed for combat. Both physically and mentally, we see blind spots. We see the things that women will miss. Mm-hmm. Just like women will see the things that we miss that mm-hmm. are inherently gifts of women by God. Yes. You know, they cover details for us. They have our backs. That's the way it should be. All right, cool. So the wife is sound. Well, the wife is going to be doing a lot of the raising of the children where you're sort of keeping order with the children. All right, great. So you, all those internal decisions that start with you and your faith, your relationship with God carry over to the wife, they carry over to the children. It's the same thing with your community as well. You don't need to be married for this either. You can be an activist. You can be a force of change. You can speak at school board meetings even if you don't have a kid. You can speak at you. You can get involved in local politics because at least local politics, you know what the hell's going on. Mm-hmm. You can get involved in the local culture. You can establish groups that are going to win the culture war locally, not just on Instagram, but a friend of yours from Malaysia. Or you know, shout out to you, Metabro, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's from Malaysia. I don't think about it. But, uh, you know, that's... That, that's sort of what needs to happen. Everyone's playing this escapism game. Mm-hmm. It happens in religion. It happens with men. It happens in communities. And you need to understand the war starts with it. It doesn't start externally. Yeah. Which is why those people always bring their problems with them when they come here, whether they're immigrating out of a war-torn country or they're just simply immigrating from state to state like Californians and people from Oregon and Washington coming over to conservative Bible Belt places like Texas and Oklahoma. If you didn't put your fucking foot down where you originally were and you did your best you're bringing that shit with you either consciously or unconsciously you're bringing those fucking problems with you that's why I was so disgusted to see them loading fighting age men in Afghanistan and bringing them here I don't give a fuck if they were our allies and and I'm gonna gonna say something that's gonna sting a lot of bro vets and I really don't give a shit because you motherfuckers can't even take your black rifle coffee company shirts off so go fuck yourselves I'm gonna say this anyways I don't think any man who abandons his wife and kids in a fucking war-torn country to another group of men, whether the Taliban's truly good or not, I don't really know. I don't hate them, but I don't know. So, not, I'm, not, I'm not really picking a side here, but here's, but here's something I will say because I, I feel strongly about it. And I'll also get a lot of shit from Muslims as well because all, all the Afghans are Muslim. But, again, 
I care about who's doing shit right. I don't care about hypocrites. And any man who abandons his wife and kids in that in that shithole part of the world that you're coming from to come here, fuck you. You're a coward, and you're going to burn in hell. And also, our so-called allies in the global war on terror, the ANA, a lot of them are pedophiles. They fuck little boys. It's called bachi baza, which is a Persian term for boy play. And thankfully, I'm very thankful that I didn't witness any of that with the Afghan soldiers that we worked alongside of. I didn't hear any of it happening. I didn't see any of it transpiring. But I, I know men who have heard and seen those things transpiring. And whenever those men would do something about it, they would get relieved of their command. So the airplane or airplanes full of fighting age Afghan men that are coming over here, you know why they're running from the Taliban? They're running from the Taliban because the Taliban will make sure that they don't practice homosexuality with little boys. And now they're bringing them here. And those men are cowards because they're also leaving their wives and kids behind. And you want to bring them here in a country that's already fucking compromised and crippled by cowardly, weak men? Pull your heads out of your ass and really think about what's about to happen here. If you bring, or no, we've already brought a lot of them here already. They dropped like 800 of them off at Fort Hood in Texas. That does not bode well for us. That's more conflict for us. I don't have any issue against Afghans. A lot of the women are devastatingly beautiful. I think the country is gorgeous. And the men are some of the hardest, toughest, most dangerous men I've ever met. So I definitely got respect for them for their physicality but there are certain things within their culture that are extremely degenerate it's pre-islamic pashtun culture is what it is because homosexuality is not allowed in islam so this whole bachibaza bullshit is 100 percent haram but that's coming over here when we're pulling those men out and they're and also just the fact that they're abandoning their wife and kids <laughs> we you know we have a we have a term for people that do that here they call them deadbeat dads so why the fuck do deadbeat dads from other countries, because they're refugees, get a fucking pass, but the deadbeat dads here in the U.S. don't? None of them get a fucking pass. Not a single one, whether they're from here or from another country. Why are all the refugees fighting age men? Yeah, that too. Also, if you'd like an example of, of the worst-case scenario here when we get enough of those fighting-age Afghans here, I would present to you the United Kingdom, Western Europe, and Northern Europe right now in the midst of Syrian immigrants and Pakistani rape and grooming gangs. Go on, go over there and fucking peek at that and then tell me if you want that here. And by the way, none of what they're doing is Islamic. It's not allowed. They're just shitty fucking people who happen to be from Islamic country, so it's a, it's a, it's a statistical thing. So, yeah, a lot of people are citing the hadith when it comes to that. They're saying, oh, this is what uh, Muslims believe, and they don't actually know the context of the hadith. I love being educated, I, I, and I'm being facetious here, I'm using air quotes. I love being educated on my own religion and my own people by people who have never been Muslim a day in their life. They love they love to educate me on Islam. Well, y'all believe this and y'all believe that. I cherry picked this uh, Quranic verse, which is translated from ancient Arabic, so it's not even a clean translation. And so I ask these people, and I, and I think to myself, 
have you read the entire chapter of the Quran in which that verse is from? And then have you prayed to God about what that actually means? Because you're supposed to pray on these scriptures. I would imagine you do the same thing for the Bible and Christianity. You pray to God to understand the Bible better. Because I read stuff from the Bible and it's just like, oh, hang on, that kind of that kind of went over my head. I'm going to have to pray on this to understand what, what's being said in you know, the book of Job or Deuteronomy or whatever I'm reading. I need... I need some deeper understanding, and only God is going to give me that. And I have, but I have to ask Him for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's actually my criticism a lot of like uh, a lot of times. So, yeah, this is this is inevitable. All right. Um, Just say it, man. There's no holds barred on this podcast. Bible scholars, they're not Christians. Mm-hmm. They're not actually of the faith. They're people who study the Bible and you know, maybe they, they, they adhere to a certain moral code, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. That, that part's great. Definitely not criticizing that. But they're not actually on a path of growth in the relationship with God. They're not really praying. Mm-hmm. They're just reading the Bible. Um, and that's that's an incomplete faith. That's not a true changing of the heart. A lot of you know, there's no faith in that deeds, they're not doing that either, so it's there's a lot of people who really are taking shortcuts or just completely cutting off their spiritual life yet professing faith. Yes. It's, it's not, that's not the way it works. It's dogmatic masturbation. Big time. Big time. Guys love to get you, but yeah. do you have the right to get you? Yes, that is so important. Like, show me your credentials for gatekeeping real quick. What do you embody? What What are you creating in your life? What is your life like? Are you congruent behind and outside of closed doors? You know, are, are you still the same person? Are you authentic? What rights do you have to gatekeep? If you have the credentials, by all means, gatekeep because we have to gatekeep. Just like how we gatekeep people in our own corner of the internet, but we have the credentials to do so. They are, they are, they're good things. It, it's just, it gets, it gets, um, that's what sort of monotonous. Just, I don't, I don't need to hear the same thing every goddamn day. I already know to go sun my balls and eat raw liver and do a triple backflip under the full moon to, I don't know, manifest the sacred white bison so I can eat its raw heart and drink its milk and amniotic fluid or whatever esoteric yeah. shit that people are coming up with now. Yes. They're what I call level one influencers. It's almost like yeah. a pyramid. When you think about it, it's like a pyramid structure, the at the very bottom are all the people who are just completely unconscious. Of course, the bottom of the food, yeah. ch- bottom of like the metaphysical food chain, and then you go up. <clears throat> you go up, and then you got the people. Like what you just spoke about, which there's more of them than there are of us, as in people who are, we're on it, we're on the next level. We already know, like we know, we already found out about that stuff. We knew about that stuff. We applied that stuff. We do 
continue to apply that stuff but now we're moving on to deeper knowledge pushing into deeper mysteries and then really refining our game refining our lives refining our knowledge truly embodying renaissance like the renaissance man ideal so it makes sense that there's always going to be those level one influencers and unfortunately some of them are complete fucking hypocrites and uh whether but whether they're hypocrites or they're actually about what they're peddling they have an outrageous amount of followers some of these guys got like fifty-five thousand followers it's fucking insane and you know and that and that's whether they're legitimate or they're absolute fucking frauds i know i'm not going to call them out i i call i've called people out directly in their dms about it but i don't I'm not going to broadcast them out like this because I'm not a drama stirrer like that. But I know several guys in the corner of our internet who have upwards of 10,000, 25,000, 55,000 followers and they're completely full of shit. These are not masculine men. They're not, and they're not Christians either. Yeah, I mean, how do we use something that's like a bit more detached from us? Like it's, it's, it's relevant detached from us. That's a perfect example. It's liver pain. Like what he's, what he's saying is what he's what he's pushing is right. Like yeah, you should be eating more raw meat, you know, raw animal products, mm-hmm. um, the, the rejuvenating properties. He's preaching. The, the reason why it makes sense for us to talk about it is he's preaching again a lot of truth. Mm-hmm. But he's acting like he has that physique. Just eating. Yeah, that HGH gut tells me otherwise. Um, he's, he's very clearly on steroids. So it's yes. Like, we know better. Some people are going to legitimately think you can get like that without steroids by just eating those things and training a certain way and it's just not true. No, it doesn't matter how good your gen- genetics are. Yeah, I mean, dude, Ronnie Coleman didn't even have those genetics. You see Ronnie Coleman, you know, before he got on steroids the first couple of times he competed for them, he looked amazing. Mm-hmm. He looked incredible. But, um, you know, he needed the steroids to, to actually get to that level. But right. That guy has, uh, Liver King has them now, so you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I use it steroids, but, you know, it's... It is. It is what it is. They're they're going to be they're going to be people who press the buzzwords as much as possible, mm-hmm. but they'll have something uh, false that will give them this temporary fuel, like steroids and things like that. So right, if he would just own up to it and be open about it, no one could touch him. Exactly. Just That's what he should do. He's not a professional athlete. He doesn't even have that moral that weird moral standard of sports cultures. Like, oh, he's on steroids. He's a cheater. It's like yeah, most of them are on fucking steroids. Who gives a shit? Watch. Go watch your sports ball game. Yeah. If you would just be open with, like, yeah, I'm on steroids, but, like, yeah, okay, fuck it, I don't give a shit. Nice yeah. physique, bro. Yeah, but the thing is, he, but he also, he probably has a bunch of actual health benefits from the diet, too. It's just, it's oh, just yeah, disease. definitely. But, you know, that's it. Yeah. He's spoken about his journey of healing with those things, and I know a bunch of people who are healing, like, tribal thrive, heal themselves with this kind of diet. Yes. A wonderful web of content about it. A bunch of ebooks. I love that guy to death. Shout out, shout out to him. I gotta go visit him. Go follow Primal Thrive. If you want to boost your testosterone naturally, like he is giving you the step by step thing to heal yourself as a man. That's one thing, but he's not posting pictures of himself looking like he's going out for Mr. Olympia and he's carrying a log press. Like, let's get real. Um, so, it's, it's, that's not the criticism of the content. It's just the aesthetics this time. It's important yeah. to understand. And other people will have a lot of kernels of truth in this corner of the internet, but they'll have one thing that's entirely counterfeit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I get flagged for being anonymous, which cracks me up. I was like, what you, okay, what is, what is seeing my face going to change? 
Like, what is, what, at the end of the day, honestly, what's that going to change? Nothing. It's going to change absolutely nothing. You have your physique on there, and which I can verify that that's actually your physique because I've seen your face and everything. So that's that's be, that's better than um, I mean because there's anonymous accounts that don't ever show anything about themselves and just like okay you're you're definitely full of shit like you're full of shit, but I can I can definitely verify that you are who you say you are that you're embodying everything that you talk about. I'm always I'm I'm like I'll, I'll admit I'm skeptical of anonymous people who I personally myself haven't seen. Like I've seen like I've seen you I've seen Evol Academy I've seen Nature Chad. Yeah. I, you know, like I've seen, like I've, like the guys in our corner, I've seen you guys. Right. So we all have skin in the game with each other. Like we have proof of each other. Yeah. It's the guys who I haven't seen, but haven't seen their face. Even if it's just their, like, I don't care. Like, okay, nice physique, bro. But like, I, I, I need to see your face before I'm buying what you're selling. Like, the eyes are the windows of the soul, and that's, uh, that's probably. I mean, that's probably. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels that way as well. But at the, at the same time, I understand, I understand y'all's need to really have your ideas transcend your face. If that's what you, if that's what, um, or if that's part of why y'all do what y'all do, about it being an idea more so than y'all. That, that's a, that's a big big reason why I'm anonymous. Like that is a very very big reason. And I think that's a very valid reason to be honest. Um, it's it's the ideals. Like my my body. I came from dust, I'll return to dust. I was just reading Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. right? Um, my soul and all the things my soul is saying are what will train. If if they transcend, they will transcend. They will stand the test of time if they're if they're good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully they've helped you. And that's that's the reason why they're there. Those will remain past my death, plain and simple. Um, the other thing is a bit more of a practical thing on my standpoint. Uh, I am trying to keep my fighting career and my writing career separate, right? So, you may know my name. I've changed my name, so I keep my fighting career separate. I'm very, very serious about this. My whole thing is, my whole thing is, I don't want people, and it's not just about the other opinions. It's just, it's just something that would become so inherently factual. It's not an opinion. It's something, not something to be argued with. It's truly standing in truth. Mm-hmm. His writing career advanced because of his writing. The, the level of writing did not give it, it was not given an artificial boost by success in another field. People aren't reading my writing because I'm a successful fighter. They're reading my writing because the writing isn't good enough. I've actually achieved that level. I don't want to stunt my growth in writing. People are, I've been given the title fight, for example, because I beat A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, not because I spoke the loudest, or oh wow, he's going to get a lot of buzz for this fight. Because, you know, he wrote this best-selling book. Mm-hmm. No, they're going to both rise to skill mastery on their own, and that is the only way that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That is the only way that's going to happen. I want the skills to get there. I don't want an artificial boost by public opinion, by the crowd. That, that is my personal reason for anonymity. Combined with the, the one that's more common amongst other people. It's one of the ideas. We, have the, we want the ideas to to go forward and honestly I, I spoke about this with Metabro um, on our podcast together it's like if you really cut deep and you, you, you really so, sort of see the, the subtext in between what people are saying you get the essence of their text what they write these anonymous writers you'll find out very quickly who's about it who's not you can actually figure this out just by the writing mm-hmm. um, he joked that some people just get this 
alter ego persona just may as well be called base chad 99 <laughs> <laughs> almost, like, almost like a world of warcraft character that they play it's like you mm. know in their normal lives they're it's this but on instagram i am base chad <laughs> And they're, they're they're echoing the same things. You you can you can tell by the way they're right that it's just it's just something else. Right. Um, on the, on, and on the flip side of things too, I talked about this to Joe Abra. I miss that guy's writing. Um, he's uh he deactivated his account because he's working on getting his um becoming a lawyer out in Madrid. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's transformation. When we're talking about Instagram. But they actually and David Goggins talked about this. To become David Goggins, he had to invent somebody else. He had to be Goggins, right? Mm-hmm. So he needed to create this identity separate from where it was at to become someone else, become something else, this transformation. And with a lot of people, it's rooted in faith. Like when you get baptized in the Orthodox faith, you're given a uh, Christian name. So I'm a catechumen. When I'm baptized, I'll take a patron saint, which will probably be St. George, so my Christian name would be George, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it'd be, I don't know, maybe I feel called the Christopher. I'll say Christopher. My Christian name would be Christopher. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, but people create these separate these separate entities of ideals they want to become and they work towards them. They actually manifest them in the real life. If you're, if you're doing that sort of bi-directional thing, I'm not going to interrupt you doing that. If mm-hmm. you're trying to work towards becoming that person you're writing like on Instagram, and I've seen a couple who are very clearly like this, they've progressed. Mm-hmm. They've absolutely progressed. I'm not going to say anything to you. I'll let you be. Let so. But there, again, certain, like bringing it back, there are people who are just absolutely acting like there's someone in there yeah total Based. dorks and you can you can tell if you really look at the writing you can tell yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah way too many way too many sober adjacent types it's like dude you have to have your own personality man you need to put your own flavor on this dude sober became and I actually met a bro and I said the same thing sober became sober by being sober literally yeah exactly being sober I don't I do not want to see the same aesthetics in every account like if you really take a step back and figure out who you are, you will cultivate your own aesthetic. It'll be far more interesting and I'll want to follow mm-hmm. Like Actually, Forrest and I think you talk about this all the time. Like, why are you copying his <laughs> Why? Are, I've seen some people copy my aesthetic. Like, is that who you are? Like, but it's cool. Like, it's tough. But if not, man, like, you got to figure some stuff out, man. Like, For sure. Like to see your aesthetic. This symposium is a fantastic example. Of this. Yes. Our circle, we have a lot of common ground. Like, the symposium is, like, very, like, spacey and, like, vibey. And Some of his posts go over my head. It's just like, what? That guy is so, so talented. He is. He's so amazing. Like, the fact that he'll write something and it goes over my head like that is is a credit to his ability. Dude, I, I speak to him every week. Um, Tim and I are in a group together. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, like, he's very much, like, the... He speaks. He speaks better. Like he is embodying what he thinks. You can tell when you actually just speak to him. I remember the first time that him and I had a, him and I had an icebreaker phone call because I wanted to come to the podcast and I wanted to do a piece of writing together about okay. Moscow, which is our, our version of Easter. Um, oh, is he Orthodox as well? Yeah, he is Orthodox. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so we were talking about it. And I was like, he's very like the way he speaks. It's very like almost like deadpan. Mm-hmm. Like the guy writing like this genius, you know. It's, He's, he, he is who he is, and it, it bleeds through in his aesthetics, his writing, where he speaks, everything. He is, a, he is a full-fledged person. It's awesome to have influences. I've got loads of influences, 
Uh, when it comes to fighting, I have my influences. Rob Kamen, Alexander Usyk, Tyrone Spong, um, Samad Payakarun, Saigon Pechedi, even Valentina Shevchenko, because her striking level is unbelievable, mm-hmm. right? Those are my influences. Am I going to fight like any carbon copy one of them? Absolutely not. I got my same thing with writers. Tolstoy, Fitzgerald, Hemingway, Gustav Le Bon, Kentaburo Oe, Sinclair Lewis. Am I going to fight just like, am I going to write rather, just like any one of those people? No. I'm going to write like Arthur Dane. Exactly. Plain, plain and simple. Well, that's a that's a perfect segue into into what I was wanting to talk about next, which is Muay Thai. Which is I don't care what anyone says, Muay Thai is the greatest striking system ever created, bar none. I agree. I agree. And this is actually coming from someone who actually needs to pick up Kyokushin because my body's actually better suit my body mechanics. I was figuring this out with a coach, a couple of my coaches and teammates recently. Mm-hmm. They're like, really, you should be fighting like a lot of aspects of your game more Kyokushin style than hmm. Muay Thai, which has been an absolute Mindfuck for me. Yeah. Because I've been like, I've been in Muay Thai for so long. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Well, Kyokushin definitely has its merits because it's considered yeah. the baddest form of karate ever. It was made by Masahiko Oyama. And George St. Pierre, who is the greatest wrestler, well, he's the welterweight goat of mixed martial arts, bar none. <laughs> but he was also, what was crazy is that he had no wrestling credentials coming into MMA. No col- no college wrestling background, no high school wrestling background, but he would take everyone down, including credentialed Division One wrestlers, NCAA champs, all American guys. He would just double leg, double leg, single legs, knee taps, ankle picks. He uh, he credited his background in Kyokushin karate, in which he's a black belt, to his timing on those takedowns. So there's definitely some gold in those hills. Plus, it's the only karate form that does a hundred man kum- uh, full contact kumite. Yeah, like don't talk to me about Shotokan or Ashihara, like they can see. Um, yeah. <laughs> the only Ashihara practitioner who received the effect of his semi shilt, but it actually like because he's seven foot, it helped be more fluid. That's the only reason why it works. <laughs> yeah, because he can um, kick you from yeah. a different area code. Yeah. Those yeah, front yeah, snap kicks like, of his were gross, man. It's like, oh, how the fuck am I supposed to fight this guy? We're like, I'm gonna be up in this guy's business at all times, or it's just not gonna work. For real. Uh, but I mean, so with um, yeah, with with, with more time, I mean, no, I mean, Kyokushin, uh, the, the the style of of kicks is actually better for my body mechanics than a traditional Thai roundhouse kick. Same thing for the, the leg kicks. Um, you can actually chop down. Um, same thing with just the body mechanics in general, like just the body mechanics in general of Kyokushin, but it's not anywhere near as complete as Muay Thai because I mean, you don't punch the face with Kyokushin. Exactly. You only punch the top with Kyokushin. Um, there's no clinching. There's no knees. There's no elbows. There's no takedowns. Like if, if you if you like sit here and tell me that any other striking art, yeah, some, someone's gonna say like uh, Sir Lethway uh, because they headbutt. Well, if you David the Duke. Muay Thai comes from Muay Baran, which is actually the science of nine limbs. They did have headbutts. Mm-hmm. Right? Those two countries are next to each other. So, you know, it's, they don't, left way doesn't clinch effectively anywhere near as much. Um, they don't throw elbows anywhere near as much. So take mm-hmm. a seat with that left way nonsense. Like, you're not that edge warm. Just relax. Um, you know, that, that's like pulling an action. Yeah. Um, left way. So, yeah, Muay, Muay Thai is the most complete striking art. If you're gonna do MMA, like I love, I love watching K1 kickboxing. K1, dude, K1, oh my god, golden era K1, like golden era heavyweights. Oh man. Oh, 
that's the that's the most entertaining combat sports I've ever seen is Golden Era K1 Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's those guys who go who have the K1 background and go on and they don't do as well because it's not as complete. They just do punches, kicks, and knees, limited clinch. Their footwork's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, their boxing's pretty good, but the reason why Blue's not more effective in MMA is because they have the knees, they have the, they have the elbows, rather, they have the clinching, and they have the sweeps mm-hmm. and takedowns. Like, if, if it's on the feet, it's better with more time. If you're clinch, Kevin Ross talked about this. He's the greatest American Muay Thai fighter ever. He went down to the San Jose State Judo Club, which is the best judo team in the country. And he was he was, he was doing he was you know practicing with judo black belts, and they didn't understand why they could take that. Like, how are you doing this? He's like, Dude, this is Thai clinching. Like, yeah. Same thing. Which we we just don't have a gi to grab on, so it's scary. Right. Just... And we have to do it with gloves on our hands, which is gigantic pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, hey, I would love to practice with just my hands you kidding no we do it with gloves on because that's the way we're going to do it in a fight um, so yeah I don't know what the question is about Muay Thai I can talk about Muay Thai for like 12 hours so <laughs> <laughs> well um, tell us tell us how your love affair with it began uh, so I was in I was in Brahma school oh, man, I'm getting uh, real excited just thinking about this now um, I dude I always wanted to do some kind of fighting like always I watched fights and uh, Fernando Vargas fights with my dad when I was seven and then I saw on Nickelodeon this little documentary of these Mexican inner city kids from Los Angeles boxing and I went straight to my mom and I said can I box and she screamed no and I said okay okay cool whatever yeah sure you're right you're right you're right um, you know, overprotective silly French basketball um, I got into I had a very violent High school career, let's just say that. Uh, and as soon as I moved to London uh, for drama school, and I had a little bit of student loan money, I was like, I, I, I remember I was, a, I was a quarterback through middle school, I was a track athlete in high school. Uh, I would have played football if it wasn't a gigantic punk, like a gigantic fucking punk. Um, I could throw 60 yards when I was 12 years old. Like it was, I, sh- I really should have been playing football. Um, but I, uh, I went to the nearest. Uh, Muay Thai gym near my, near my drama school in London and it turned out to be one of the best in England and um, I, I had honestly the only thing I went off was I had heard that the best uh, martial arts to start a foundation with were Kung Fu or Muay Thai which mm-hmm. I'm so glad I didn't find any Kung Fu because it's not the best foundation um, I had actually spent a, like a couple days watching uh, the 2010 Karate Kid which is really Kung Fu Kid with Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan oh no and, it was, it was just honestly a really good film. I'm not gonna lie. Like it sounds really stupid to say out loud, but it's a very very good film. Um, and the seeing the training sequences, it wasn't just like the montaging effect that like, you could see. I was growing physically, spiritually, mentally. Um, and this is speech. You know, Jackie Chan says it like kung fu is life. Like it's a metaphor for life. And mm-hmm. I can see that. I wanted that metaphor for my life. It was in martial arts. Um, that's what. It's actually mainly what I was after. I wasn't really trying to get into a ring. I wasn't thinking about competing at all I just wanted that in my life mm-hmm. and in drama school too you're in the studio 9 to 6 8 to 8 every day it's super disciplined mm-hmm. you're wearing all black every day you're destroying parts of your personality that are too unique so you can be this blank canvas and that's kind of right that's kind of where the assassin mindset thing was born-ish um, when, uh, when I was a quarterback my, my father taught me how to throw when I was five uh, we were big dying in the wall 49ers fans you know Steve Young was the quarterback at the time and, you know, I asked my dad, like, hey, how do I throw a football? I was like, well, you roll it off your fingers. I was like, like this? 
and I threw it across the house, and my dad like had the biggest look of joy on his face. He was like, Alex, get in here. Perfect, do that again. Um, and threw it through a perfect spiral. And then, you know, he was he was really my coach when I played in middle school. And mm-hmm. I remember, um, he actually said this to me more recently. He said, you know, Arthur, I taught you how to throw. I taught you the art quarterbacking. But there was this clinical, cold, brutal, dark-eyed competitor within you. And I didn't teach you how to do that. That's not me. That's, that's always been there. Mm-hmm. It was unemotional, merciless. I didn't teach you that. And, but it was a level of detachment too. Like, I, it was never really emotional for me when I played. I was just like, this is what needs to be done. I'm going to do it if I think it's possible. Whether I have to run it when I need to go to the running backs, whether I need to throw, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, but coming to drama school too, having to be a blank canvas, it's really not about you. A lot of people think, oh, you can express yourself. Like, no, you don't. You find parts of yourself that emotional memory that relate to the aspects of the character so you can embody that character and eventually make it something completely different that isn't new. It's very, very detached. And wearing all black started in drama school for me. When you see me write about things, you know, the assassin's mindset, I find it to be the most effective combat mindset because it's not about you, it's about the objective. What's the objective? To win. I don't, I'm not going to fall in love with winning one way. I'm not going to fall in love with knocking people out or winning on points or winning with kicks I'm just going to beat you that's it and I came with this detached mindset uh, after about three months of drama school you know wearing blacks I wore my blacks in my first Boy Side class it was, a, it was actually a free pad session mm-hmm. I, was, I think it was from Bradford you know, it was just north of Manchester it was big, very very thick almost incomprehensible northern accent and I threw two punches and a kick on the pads and I like, knew that I was going to do it for the rest of my life and a few days after that I was like oh Okay, like this is, oh, they do this it. Fuck me, this is it. Um, and when I figured out that I wanted to master physical pursuit and a, a creative pursuit in high school, in, a, in my high school Bible class, I was a track athlete at the time, and I just said, I want to be a Olympic gold medalist in the 800 meter, but I really never loved track. Uh, but this, this was like, oh, this is where it's been. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The guy, I mean, I was 180 soaking wet back then. I was on a tea biscuit ramen diet. He had no money. My father actually said to me when I went to drama school, because we were, this is a whole different story. We were in financial dire straits. Um, we were selling the house for 500 bucks in my bank account. He said to me, Arthur, put 500 bucks in your bank account. You make it last as long as possible. Like, what is that? 200 pounds, maybe, at the time? The exchange rate was horrible. Mm-hmm. So I'm in there skinny as hell. Bones showing. I'm hitting the pads. And the guy says, mate, you've got actual power on your hands and your legs. And I was like, yeah, cool, whatever, man. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he's like, oh, I'm serious. I'll give you, I'll give you another beat access just to move it here. Oh, that's actual God-given power. Go really far from it. Like, yeah, what do you, like, you don't need to sell me. Like, I'm going to spend all my student money. And you're like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, whatever sales pitch, you can fucking rob me, okay? Um, and, oh, I, it is all I thought about. I got top rate. Drama school became easier. Any fear you had of performing a certain thing, pfft, getting kicked in the face by guys close my side. I don't care. Like, who cares? There was no technical sparring at this gym either. It was all hard sparring. So I was getting the shit kicked out of me. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, it was hilarious. Um, so I come to school, like, bleed, bruised up and bleeding. And uh, I got elbows and bleeding one class. And I was just like, fuck, terrible. And I was just like, oh, shit. And I, like, bandaged them. And 
I sort of cut it. I got top grades in drama school just so I could get out of class early and go to play time. We're asking my my friend Scott once, and I was like, Scott? He's like, yeah. And I was like, is it bad I can't hear the word circle without thinking elbow? Like, as in circle elbow? He's like, I took a pause. He said, it's not great. Yeah, it's really not great. Um, and so I was like, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. And it's just, it took over my life. It was all I wanted to do. I was not Arthur before I did Muay Thai. I really was not. I was not. Like, I awakened, finally. It was amazing. Um, and when I had to leave drama school, and I had to leave England, I didn't get to do it for a while. I came home to Oakland. I had no money, and I had no transportation. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about some of the gyms about you know, that were around there. And um, Eventually, you know, I just, took the plunge to get out of Silicon Valley and pursue it. Um, yeah, and I had a two-and-a-half-year lower back injury. Um, and I lost both my jobs to COVID. I had I went through poverty. I went through malnourishment. I went through six months of long-term sleep deprivation. I broke up with my now ex-fiance again. She got the vax. Uh, I lost everything. And there wasn't a single doubt in my mind at any point that I'd be back. I had I actually re-injured my injury during the pandemic when they were opened up for a little bit. Mm. And I came to a new gym. And I tested to be on their fight team. And I remember, like, I was the only person out of 40 who passed to get on this fight team. And I locked myself in the bathroom and broke down crying. I absolutely broke down crying. I said... (laughs) I remember... I actually thought to myself, like, how can I rise if I don't drown? That's what I thought. And that absolutely brought me to tears. And if there was any shadow of a doubt, that's what I need to do. It was gone right to that moment. Right to that moment. That's righteous, man. That, that is poetic. Uh, thank you for sharing that story. Um, especially, you know, not just as your friend, but as someone else who trains martial arts and trains Thai boxing. I, I love it. It's so, it's addictive. It's addictive, just like the mind-body connection with martial arts is so much more potent to me than anything else. And I, I love lifting weights, I love calisthenics, and I competed in track back in high school. But there's something with martial arts, with fighting, is just so much. There's just so much more to it. It it's it's an art form. You know, they call it martial arts for a reason, and it's an art form, and it. To me, it's more of an art form than any other physical pursuit. I mean, there's other great physical pursuits out there like gymnastics. And, um, you know, there's something special about team sports, too, when you're playing it and not watching it. But martial arts is literally an expression of violence through the human machine mm-hmm. in the greatest ways possible. And there's so many different ones, and they're beautiful in their own ways. Like, I love boxing, too, and jujitsu and he used to compete in judo here collegiately. I'm a collegiately ranked judo champion, as a matter of fact. Um, judo and Muay Thai are my two favorites by far. But also, just like what it does for you, what it does for you, like what you said mentally, like it, it makes everything else in life click together smoother, makes it all easier. You're not worried anymore. It's just like, yeah, I just got, I got to go get hit in the fucking face this evening or. You know, if I was going to judo, it's like, I'm about to get fucking thrown by this 220-pound brown belt. Like, I don't give a shit about this exam. I'm not stressing this exam coming up. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever, man, who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting weight for a tournament right now. Your problems are minuscule in comparison. I'm definitely not as skilled in it as I was last year. The judo band, the judo team disbanded because the instructor graduated. He graduated in uh, spring last year, so I haven't been training judo since. I've just been training striking. Shit. Yeah, I've just been training Thai boxing and boxing. Because there's no other, there's no other place around here that trains judo. My fight, the fight gym that I train at, trains Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and then there's a lot of guys because it's in Oklahoma. There's a lot of guys with. Uh, wrestling backgrounds but there's no one in but it's um the only people in there who know any judo are myself and one of the other guys who was on the judo team with me was also a former champion we're the only two guys that know and i'm not a black belt in judo i'm uh, i'm a yellow belt so i'm not i'm not a high level i'm not like a high level judoka but um wherever i move to next i'm definitely moving next to a quality judo dojo so i can get back into it and then it has to be a place that has Muay Thai as well, because I'm not going to give up that either. Yeah, dude, like, this this, this is the one thing that's, like, I keep telling people, like, dude, how many times has KJ yelled at us to move to Idaho? And we're like, yeah, man, it's a great place, you know, it's beautiful, you know, super base, you know, preppers, uh, super right wing, Christian, Basque. There's a fuck ton of Basque people there, too. Like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> He was telling me he was like he's like dude he's like there's plenty of Mormon women here you can marry a Mormon woman and I was like eh, maybe <laughs> we'll see we'll see uh, we'll see kind of um, jury's still out on Mormonism for me dude I'm not gonna lie me too man but you know we we have a couple Mormon friends so we won't go there um, yeah yeah but I mean like th- this is the thing like I can't go to a place that doesn't have high level martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to be in Idaho. I would love to be lifting stones with fellow Basque people and, you know, living in a super base place, wonderful, rugged Western nature. Like, mm-hmm. cool, but I can't. I can't. I can't. Like, start your own school. I'm like, I'm not 40. I'm 26. <laughs> yeah, you're you're focused and on I, fighting I, right now. Cool when you have the, when you've done the career. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maestro. So that's, that's going to take me to Texas. To be honest, it's going to take me to Seattle. Like, a lot of people are saying... Mm-hmm. Arthur, don't move to Seattle. It's Marxist. I'm like, guys, come to Oakland. Like, any, any place I move through, they're going to, like, throw some fucking LG cancer. So, like, get the fuck out of here. I'm from Oakland, man. It's like, anything you can say, like, doesn't mean jack fucking shit. Like, I've seen it all. You know, get out of here. And honestly, man, when I went to Seattle, it felt very fucking right way. Like, I remember, like, the, the drivers, the Uber drivers drove like New Yorkers, which is cool. Like, if you, if you jaywalk, you know, and stop some traffic in California, it's whatever. I had two guys, like, out the window, like, flipping me off. <laughs> nice, all right? <laughs> I went to the Seattle Strength and Power. Shout out to them. It's in, the, it's in downtown Seattle in the basement of an office building. Mm-hmm. And I call them ahead of time, like, hey, you know, can I do a drop-in? They're like, yeah, you a, what's, you like a power lifter? You a strong man? I was like, uh, you know, I'm actually, like, a, I'm a boy tie fighter with some pretty solid lifts. Yeah, yeah, come on down. I go down there, they're blasting metal, no one has a mask on, they say, no masks here, I said, cool, 
Speaking my language. Yeah, and they're like, where'd you see you from? Like, Oakland. Like, oh. And then they looked at me and they're like, oh, okay. And they're like, so what are you doing today? I was like, I'm doing debts. Like, I'm doing, you know, threes. I'm like, no, we're higher fours. Like, oh, okay. And they handed me a beer. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this place is great. I don't know why I'm going to say you're so Marxist. I'm not seeing any of these people here. When I went to the markets, they have raw dairy everywhere, like raw cheese. And, like, oh, wow. Great produce. And I was like, what? Is this the same place people were talking about? Yeah, there's all those people in every city. Who cares? Like, well, you know, all those crackheads screaming. Yeah, that people walk down my street and West Oakland crackheads. I don't care. Um, and when people, the other thing too, Californians are really fucking fake. Man. Just, like, they're like, "Hi, how are you?" And like, just nothing in the eyes. Right. And then they're like, "Yo, I'm doing well." Okay, great, cool. Now that you've answered, I can go sit over here now. And it's, mm-hmm. When people were there, they like looked at me and they said, "Hi, how are you?" And I said, "Oh shit, you're actually asking. I'm doing very well for you. Mm-hmm. How are you?" Um. So Seattle might be a place I move to, and everyone's shrieking at that. You know, um, or Texas, um, or um, you know, actually, it's probably just one of those two places. I'm not moving to Florida. I don't care what's there. I don't care how based it is. I don't care yeah, Florida's not appealing to me. It's for me. It's like Arizona, Idaho. Yeah, summer is another place I can see myself moving to. Yeah, Arizona's got a booming MMA scene going on there, and um. Lots of high quality striking and stuff. So like Arizona to me seems to be number one. Idaho's number two. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Florida man, like DeSantis is the man. Like he's the best governor in the union. That's for sure. Thing. For sure. No, it's what's about that. Let's let's not get it twisted. The South Florida is probably the biggest MMA hotbed outside of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, but South Florida is also a really generous place. Yeah. <laughs> people don't really people aren't really like wrapping their heads around that. And also. I am not moving anywhere that flat. Like, ever. No. <laughs> no. Ever. No. I don't no. Need, like, in weather with that swamp, no. You can miss nope. it with that shit, man. I need mountains, I need trees, or I need a desert. I can actually, I can do a flat desert. There's something mystical in the desert swamp. Yeah. You can miss me with that, man. Forget yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> a man after my own heart. <laughs> <laughs> Bugman can't survive the tundra. Yes. <laughs> Frozen tundra of the northern Alaskan Chattistan vast solar region base. That's right. The Chrysalomic Solar Fate. It's a it's a place that I like to visit because there's a lot of beautiful beaches and there's a lot of um, really cool cold springs there. So I like the wildlife, but I can't live there. The climate, the humidity. I lived in Florida for two years from five to seven, and then I was stationed in coastal Georgia for five years, which is only three hours from Florida. So I visited Florida often, and as pretty as some of those beaches are in places like St. Augustine and the Keys and the Everglades, I can't lay roots down there. I belong in the mountains or in the desert like you were saying somewhere out yeah. west more temperate drier 
Yeah. With megafauna. I mean, obviously, I love the rain, but I know I'm the minority. I know I'm the minority. You know, I learned so much from the rain, and it actually—I don't know if it's something ancestral. Episode forty-five of my podcast mm-hmm. is called "The Solar Relax," um, and it's about—it's about the best. It's just ten minutes about me talking about the best night of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, I went. Uh, there was a storm in San Francisco I I got off work early I walked um, actually I was working a private party that night so I was in a a neighborhood in San Francisco that I typically am not in called the Marina and I walked down to each I walked down to the Marina Green overlooking Alcatraz and the Golden Gate Bridge and you know it was pouring pouring rain violently and like I felt like I was healing it was maybe something ancestral like a Canarian which is settled by the Vikings mm-hmm. and a bath um, and I felt some healing ancestral spirit going on and I wrote a poem right then and there just flowed out done and then I walked down to the beach and I grounded I took off my shoes and I went into the surf and I shot a box in the surf under the rain and like screamed and laughed and I felt my, my only fear uh, in life externally has been sharks um, but I and there's a the San Francisco Bay Area is actually deeply great white infested mm-hmm. like it's, it's shark infested oh yeah and if yeah if, if, if I if I didn't if like if I had to change of clothes I would have gone swimming out the sharks like I wanted like that was something I actually needed to overcome and it was funny I wrote a post about this too Carl uh in my the, the shadow self that I was always scared of I realized you know cold clinical emotionless it's kind of the, the, the assassin's mindset and it embodies a shark what I was scared of outside was what I was scared of within mm-hmm. it's this amazing experience I had so that, that that's that, that, that's a tangent basically like that's a long way of saying like the rain I dig it Seattle send me over there Pacific Northwest send me over there but I, I can definitely do what you're saying too like the the arid the desert mm-hmm. um, you know there's something very mystic about that it's something very biblical obviously about the desert yeah um, the energy there is is noticeably different and I don't really know how to describe it but for me it's a very positive energy I think it it's definitely something ancestral from my Native American background. I don't. I, it's the only other way I can describe it because I got a lot of ancestors that come from like Southern California, which is also desert, and then Arizona region. So there's some there's some there's some kind of ancestral tie there. Because when I go there and I smell the creosote bush and I just feel the vibrations of the place, I just feel like I'm at home in a way that I've never felt anywhere else. The only other place that has imprinted on me like that is Afghanistan. It's the only other fucking place I've been to that's ever imprinted on me that hard. And I've been to Iraq as well. And only Afghanistan and like the entire southwest region of the US has imprinted on me that hard. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Afghanistan again desperately. Like I'm desperate to go back there. I just but I don't want to go back there to participate in warfare. The energy, the place, the people, it's just devastatingly beautiful. I just I need I need more of it. I need to soak in it and just put my face in it. Like I need like I wanna like take my hands and stick them into the soil and just absorb it. Like whatever 
energy is permeated in that place, I want to like absorb it into myself and try to understand it. I mean, that place is the graveyard of empires. There's been so many cult like civilizations that have crashed itself on Afghanistan trying to take it over and they can never do it. Not Alexander the Great, not Genghis Khan, not the British Empire, not the Russians, not us, no one. I guarantee I, I get a strong feeling China's gonna be the next one to try to surmount them and they're gonna get their shit pushed into, which act, actually I'm gonna take a morbid joy in watching that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean it's I was actually thinking the same thing, like maybe, maybe perhaps it's a terrain it's, it's a horrible place terrain wants to place to try to invade but like that also makes me think like well, maybe it cuts deeper maybe there's a reason why God has smiled on why it hasn't been yeah. taken over that's it's very it's something it's something to ponder uh, it is yeah I can't, I can't hear the word ponder without laughing now the, the, the orbs <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude you, you put out some of the best memes I've ever seen like you've you, you put out some of the best memes I've ever seen like you've you, you, you had me fucking dying Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I mean, our, our lives are rough, man. We we have to have some humor. We have to have some yeah. humor every now and then. Just acknowledge how absurd everything is. Dude, you, you, you guys like you and Nature Chat are far better, far better with the gift of humor. I would just brood into oblivion until someone says something funny. If it wasn't for my gift of humor, I would do the same thing because I brood a lot. I brood a lot and I'm, I and I sit there and I wrestle with my anger on a daily fucking basis and so the catharsis for me is humor and and, and and sharing humor and just making people laugh because I think to myself well that person's probably got struggles too in fact I can almost guarantee that person has struggles too and I don't know what they're going through and it doesn't matter if what they're going through isn't as hard as what I'm going through for them it probably fucking sucks and we could all use a little humor, um, but what I but what I don't want to do is humor often becomes a, a, an escape. It becomes a, a drug for people, and so that's something I got to balance out too. But I have my times where I'm brooding and I'm fucking I'm fucking and I'm furious. I'm furious, or I'm grappling with myself, or I'm praying to God, asking Him why. Yeah, I have those like dark nights of the soul where it's like, why the fuck are things so hard? Like, why are things like this? Why are these evil people winning? Or why does it seem like they're winning? You know, here, like here in the material world, obviously they're fucking, they're definitely losers in the afterlife. But it's like here in the material world, I'll be asking God, like, why does it seem like evil is reigning over fucking everything? And and uh, the people that strive to do good sometimes they meet really nasty brutal painful ends like where you know but but that 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 calls into the whole have faith in god have faith in god because really the anguish is the not knowing you know when someone tells me that they know what's going to have have to happen after we die i stop listening to them it's like no you fucking don't you don't know what's going to happen after we die you hope what's going to happen after you die it's hope you're hoping for something nice like heaven you you hope that you're going to go to heaven or you have like like faith we have faith we have faith in what's going to happen in the afterlife we read the scriptures we're told of the possibilities of what happens if we fuck up and we're you know we're sinful and we don't atone for them and we're not forgiven we go to hell and then if we 
do enough things right and our good deeds outweigh our sins and, and God forgives us and sees fit to, we'll go to heaven. That's what we hope happens. We don't know that. We don't know that because like, I've never died and gone to the afterlife. I can't say I know. I believe. I choose to believe. And so really it's just a test of my faith when I'm doing that. Like, like I said, when I'm grappling with my anger and I'm praying to God and asking him kind of like, oh, why are things the way they are? It's, it's because I'm having my, – my faith is being tested. My belief is being tested. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean it's – dude, if everything was like peachy keen, what would we need the faith for? Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> I mean, and then there's a flip side of that too. A lot of people abandon their faith in prosperity because they, they don't need it anymore. Like, right. Oh, God, now that things are good, I've got it from here. Oh, 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 do you? Okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's not being proactive in your faith, it's being reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, should, you should sing the Lord praises in through good and through bad. A lot of people are very sick, very good actually at singing Lord praises in hard times mm-hmm. they're horrendous at it in, in positive times mm-hmm. again I've been reading Ecclesiastes and you know there's a talking about vanity of merriment I will test you with merriment I will test your faith with merriment mm-hmm. does this slip you into vanity or are you so proclaiming God right merriment is I used to and it's, it's, in some ways I still am and I'm trying to not be because it's, it's an extreme and it's a coping mechanism really to be very wary Mm-hmm. The, the last like to keep your leisure in sunshine and I'll take blood and rain mm-hmm. I don't hate sunshine I actually love the sun I love it it's, we know how, how good it is for us right mm-hmm. my criticism at the time that's coming from someone who was in California and in the springtime and the summertime people get off their purpose they get real squirrely because like oh my god the sun's out let's go do this let's go do like I got stuff to do man right <laughs> and, like I got stuff to do like, I don't mm-hmm. have time to like go hang out I don't know what that means alright I got I ain't got time for you, man. Like, it's just plain and simple. And if you want to tell me, like, hey, at this time you want to go do this, I'm like, yes. And then I have to go over here. But it's just it's general sort of, like, slothful leisure. Like, forget it. I'm not mm-hmm. into that. You can miss me with that shit. Um, so that sunshine was really, to me, when I wrote that, especially, you know, three and a half years ago now, was sloth laziness where it's like when I have the, the rain people are like inward I can actually they can focus inward more it's the inward battle that needs to be won when that external is war they can focus on the war within they can actually win it mm-hmm. um, so and, and that's almost like a commentary too like for those people for the longest time that had these easy lives you know living in America when, think, when our rights weren't being infringed upon they didn't think anything was wrong in the background all these things are going wrong they didn't stay vigilant at all they just went by what they could see surrounding them do that, forget it. You're a donor. You're not preparing for all the blind spots. You're not preparing for the wars to come. You're not preparing for things that go mm-hmm. wrong. You're not preparing for defense. You're not being proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's what the whole storm is about. I mean, um, you know, I'm, I need to enjoy the sun more. When God calls me to enjoy, to celebrate, I need to obey. Mm-hmm. That is a mindfuck for me. I'm like, are you sure? I think I could just do a few more reps of this and I can but... get the back. Another hour. Are you are you sure I deserve this? And he's like, I am saying you deserve this. Like whatever within you is saying it, don't knock it off. Well you uh you were talking about how self hatred is its own form of of pride. And people who are like that, they're way too hard on themselves. They don't give themselves space to breathe and enjoy the fruits of their labor. They're just 
constantly like constantly hard on themselves they don't ever take a breather just like hey man why don't you fucking relax and maybe have a maybe have a coke here you go yeah chill the fuck out a little bit man <laughs> you're too tightly wound I hated myself Devin for a very 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 long time likewise yeah. man if I had a drink I'd toast you to that one yeah I know I know how that feels man really saying me what's the downfall of pride right? you know saying me 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 I'm so great I'm so great hey, what if you were great at something like what about I am the best fucking kickboxer in the world at this point cool you're focusing too much on yourself at that point to the point where it's distracting from your own development mm-hmm. it's distracting for the way that you can serve you can serve others it has no end it turns to poison it dies when you're focusing too much on yourself Mm-hmm. That's the pitfall of pride, right? When we proclaim I accomplished something without pride, we're stating a fact like I am joyous because my spirit is is experiencing this wonderful fulfillment for putting in the work that I did this. Mm-hmm. That's grounded. That's not mine. That's stating a fact. You're mm-hmm. focusing on that fact. You're actually not focusing on the self. Mm-hmm. You're not wrapped up in this encapsulated it's aspect of the self. When you hate yourself, it's it's just, it's pride's shadow. I'm so terrible. I'm so terrible. I'm so terrible. You're so wrapped up in that that you're actually not focusing on the ways. Like it, it, the thing is, it's always rooted in some kind of truth, but it twists the truth. Mm-hmm. Satan only wins by twisting things that already exist into distortion of lies. Absolutely, he can't beat anything. Mm-hmm. So he takes those truths of like, oh, you know, this is wrong. Oh well, you're not doing this. So. This means this. You're a shitty person. You just yep. have to die. And the great inversion. Yeah, exactly. If you focus on that, guess what? You're not focusing on fixing the actual root problems. Not the lies, but the root problems that he twisted in the first place. And therefore, you're also not practicing getting closer to God. You're also not practicing serving others. Mm-hmm. So pride has a shadow. Every I'm, I'm actually, I'm probably right about I think every sin has a shadow. Oh, of course. I think, um, I think you're right. I, I would agree with that. That land, that lands for me very well. I also think um, on the topic of pride shadow in particular with people that get embroiled in self-hatred, I think what sprung out of that, that's where this whole uh, insane victimhood culture has come from. I think it's come from pride shadow. Now now being a victim is, a victim is a virtue signal. Oh yeah, I'm I'm self-diagnosed with schizophrenia and borderline personality disorder and, and antisocial depression and all this other shit, anxiety. Now everyone's a victim. Now everyone's marginalized. You're mar- like, and they choose to be, and they'll use something to define it. Oh, I'm I'm marginalized because I'm black. I'm marginalized because I'm a woman. I'm marginalized because I'm Latino, or I'm marginalized because I'm a homosexual. And that's all they do. Wah. Wah, wah. Poor me, poor me, poor me. Take care of me, mommy me, baby me. I don't want to. I don't want to adult today. That's what they say, and I think that that's where it came from. And I'm, that's why I'm so glad you shared that post about Pride Shadow because that's what it clicked when I read that post. That's what clicked in my head for me. I was like, this is where the victimhood culture sprung from because I kept trying to figure it out. I was like, I was like, where the fuck is this coming from on a deeper level? Like, I know where it's coming from societally. It's all the people who have 
for lack of better words, traditionally been shoved into lockers. Now they've been giving some authority. Now they're fucking abusing it because they're all fucked up inside. But I was thinking, meta, well, metaphysically, where where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? Out of the ether, more like I, I know it's coming from Satan, but more so, how is it coming from Satan? How is he doing this? And when you wrote about Pride Shadow, that's what popped in my head, I, and I was thinking to myself, like, I feel like that's where it's coming from. It's coming the victimhood mentality is coming from Pride Shadow, from all these self hatred people that are wrapped up in self hatred. Yeah, yeah, and then self hatred breeds trauma and builds this false identity that, that gets worse and worse, mm-hmm. worse and worse and worse. That's I've never been on a date yet, but a buddy of mine showed me some of these especially while he's still in your book it's like you know this stat sheet of mental illnesses and it, it, I'm kind of getting a new but it's actually not fun because you know we can make memes about it all we want like these people are like seduced into this uh, this pride shadow idea yes. that it's this badge of honor to have all these things wrong with you like oh there's my faith you can change your faith I want you to change your faith I want you to rise above I want you to I'm not. I'm not calling these things out because I'm trying to be an asshole. No, I want. I want you to be better. I want you to heal. I want you to fully realize your your logo self. Your your mm-hmm. the highest good that you can be. That's what I want for you. I'm not doing this to to, to again to dunk on you, but that's what right. you see. A bunch of people with this this victim mentality, and that's where it comes from. It's pride's a deadly sin, and its shadows just. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why people need the antidote to that. They need the antidote antidote to all of this bullshit that they're being bombarded with and all it's doing is enslaving them. It's making them weaker. Yeah. Which, you know, you and I had a conversation over a year ago about this, trying to figure out how this all comes into play and, and that's where we had that conversation about consciousness being down... Uh, or um, culture being downstream of consciousness. Yeah. I think about that every. Fu- I think about that conversation every day. By the way, you want like you know I'm always telling you about these things that live rent free in my head. That lives rent free in my head. That conversation right there. I med. I uh, I pray about it all the time, and I I ponder it or meditate on it, whatever word you want to use. Ruminate. I think about it all the time because, well, it, it it helps me as a. It's a. It's a good focal point. To rally around for my own consciousness, to make sure I'm staying conscious of everything, uh, especially what I absorb from the media. You know, even with me being very careful of who I follow on social media, for example, like I still like I'll be swiping through people's stories, and they're all good content in these people's stories because I'm I'm selective of whose stories I view. But then I'll get these adverts in the middle of the stories before it goes into the next person's stories, and it's always some degenerate shit. It's always some super degenerate shit. Something with homosexuality, or something that's either practically pornography, or something, or some alcohol advertisement, or some drug advertisement, or some Corona bullshit. And, and okay, by the way, uh, quick aside, you call people out on this, but I'm gonna do it too. Okay. Uh, guys, we have aesthetics pages. <laughs> like it's basically softcore porn. You're not an aesthetics page. You're a thirsty bro who can't keep from his pants, and you're helping. You're you're. You're causing people who are trying to get back on the path to stumble, so knock it off. Right? Yeah, you uh, pseudo-coomers aren't fooling anybody. Uh, I, pre- I appreciate the female It's It's Eros. It's Eros, brah. It's Eros, brah. You're not Dionysus and you don't know. Yeah, bro, you just, you just don't know, bro. Dude, my my Apollyon like, and masculinity. 
compels me to post these scantily clad uh, Victoria's Secret models. Totally not touching my penis while I do this. <laughs> if you really love the female form that much, I challenge you. Share a sculpture. And, uh, and, uh, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're like, I need to share, need to share a sculpture. Or, or share some, some, some wholesome trad woman art. Not, you, don't, you don't need to show me. I'm about to make, so I'm about to make a counter aesthetics page and it's just going to be uh, really beautiful unironic trad con women so it's all going to be Christian and Muslim women with like hijabs and veils on and nice dresses that are still pleasing to the feminine form but aren't showing their cleavage or their ass cheeks oh, there we go that's, 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 that's what needs to happen that's what needs to happen right there I'm going to do a podcast on this uh, some requests of this uh, and um you know, they asked, uh, can you do a podcast about modesty for both men and women? I was like, no, I like that. Because actually, you know, I don't, I don't walk around with bro tanks. Mm-hmm. Not showing off. I'm buttoned up all the time. In fact, like, when I was bartending, like, some of my coworkers were like, why don't you, like, you know, like, unbutt a little bit, like, boost our tip pool. I was like, no, fuck you, man. Fuck you. First of all, like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I'm not doing that. If I'm gonna make us tips, it's because I'm a world class bartender. It's because I've, I've given you world class service. That's I, I, I can make tips without needing to show anything. Like mm. I'm not going to do the same thing. A, a lot of men are doing the thing where and your your first podcast episode about sex is meant to be sacred. Like a lot of guys are like, you know, they're doing the male equivalent of like, where are all the good men? Like these women who like party for twelve years and they want to settle down and they've gotten run through by everybody. And, right. But they're not, they're, not, they're not actually willing to change themselves. You know, it would actually be kind of, honestly, I'm not going to lie, if you really try to turn into a leaf and repented as a Christian and you actually try to become born again mm-hmm. in every way possible, mm-hmm. that's different. Absolutely. That's different. That then, you're saying, where's a good man? That's one thing. But you probably, you would already attract a good man anyway. So I'm talking about these, you know, these, you know. These you're talking about like the reform, the reform sluts? Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's the lack of that. I, I mean, that's the word that I use. They're reformed. They're no longer sleeping around. They're trying to. They're they're dipping their toes into a better lifestyle. Yeah, but they're not actually walking the walk. They're not changing. You know, they're they're, they're, right. they're actually. They think they're actually dipping the toes. If they change, that'd be a different thing. Like mm-hmm. if, they, if they saw the errors of the ways, be different. There's even a I forget the name. There's a saint in Christianity who was like this, and she became like a nun. She became this amazing wonder worker. Exploring mm-hmm. Egypt. Um, and but these women aren't trying to change. They're trying to they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to have it yeah. and have a trend husband, right? Yeah, so I'm glad you brought this up because um, you know, there's guys in our corner of the internet that aren't aware of these succubus. And I'm not saying succubus for the memes or to be facetious. I mean they literally have the succubus mentality and, and are very likely possessed by demons because they are they're they're snakes. They're not real, they're chameleons. These people are fucking chameleons. And you guys need to be aware of this. Okay, so for you guys who want... First off, make sure you're the, you're the you're actually the kind of man who fucking deserves to have a good, unironic Tradcon wife. That's, that's step one. But step two, if you are that guy and you're struggling to find a woman like that, your discernment is extremely vital to this. Because if not, you're going to get swept up by a girl... Who's just going through the emo- going through the motions, and she knows just what to say 
to make to to butter to soften you up so that she can you know get her hooks into you and i'm saying this is someone who years ago fell for this type of shit hook line and sinker when i was still a degenerate you know i've gotten to a relationship with a damaged woman but now i now i know better it only it only took me one bad relationship to figure almost everything out never got with never committed to a girl like that again ever um so for all you young trad con guys who are not as experienced as arthur and i and haven't done a lot of things the hard way and learned these things you you can do what you want to do at the end of the day and some of you inevitably will learn the hard way but you could also avoid being with fake ass women but like i said first and foremost make sure you're not a fake ass guy or you will get with a fake ass woman and that's exactly what you deserve but for you guys out there who aren't fake as shit be careful with these women make sure you vet them properly don't get emotionally invested in them until you've seen them for who they truly are and then make make a decision in choosing them choose the right woman because that's the one that's going to have your kids and your kids are going to turn out how you and her are out so you both you both better be on the same uh same wavelength absolutely absolutely and i'll, and I'll take it a step further too for all you guys this is this is like when MGTOW becomes like feminism for men you know? all you guys men grabbing their own wieners couldn't put it better myself man jesus dude okay as a side note i remember i actually posted an instagram story about this they're like oh yeah because you know like you, you, you did like MGTOW or you did monk mode like no like, when I went through a four-year celibate period by choice, I was, like, following Orthodox Christianity. I never read Rational Mail. I've never, I've never read any Red Bull literature. I just came to these truths organically on mm-hmm. my path of God. That's it. I didn't, I didn't read some book and start flinging some lingo, like, immediately afterwards, okay? Um, but for all you guys who are, like, saying, where are all the trad women, but you're on Tinder trying to sleep with a bunch of girls... You are contributing to the problem. Not gonna make it. Exactly. You you, you are the problem. You actually yes. Are the problem. Yes. Because you are the exact women that you're complaining about. I mean, you're you're also you're also damaging yourself. I won't get into that. You know, seriously damaging to have premarital sex. It's, it's like drinking salt. Water. The reason why you keep getting more of it because you're never actually satisfied. Yes. Man, I feel after that one girl. Like, why are you looking like some rabid animal who needs his next lay all? Yep. Yes. One like that that is the most accurate analogy I've ever heard of guys caught in the cycle of sleeping around like the hypocrisy the the lust the lust turning them into animals like that just looking for their next looking for their next ejaculation basically it's not it's 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 even more damaging than porn addiction is because it's all the same depravity that's in porn addiction you're just but but now you're doing it with another person so the damage is doubled. Exactly, and you're, you're you're picking up this. It's an energy exchange. So yes, you're, you're picking up all kinds of bad energy, and you're exchanging your bad energy to her. Like, and it, it's a ripple effect that's horrendous. It's been horrendous for yes. society. Yes, you know that's why I um I, I I don't know how to do this. Um, I don't know the methods of it, but I maybe there is methods of it if you go to the right church or the right spiritual retreat with the right people, but um. I think for people to fully heal from that type of past, they have to get the imprinting off of them. The sexual imprinting of former partners would be good for them. And maybe that's what happens with baptism. If it's a real baptism, it's not some lukewarm bullshit in a life church. I mean, 
I'm talking like an Orthodox baptism or a Catholic baptism where there's deeper enriching meaning in the community. And maybe, uh, well, I know Will Spencer had talked about that when he got baptized. He talked about how um, people were praying over him to remove all of the imprinting from every, like every thing he had ever done in his life that was wrong. And he said that he felt it go out of him. Like intentional prayers like that from other people, not just ourselves praying to God for, you know, to cleanse ourselves, but other people doing it for us. I think people really, I think people really underestimate how powerful it is to pray for someone else that you care about. Like that, that is like that, that might actually be the greatest love language. And I would call it the sixth love language, spiritual love language, where you're actually actively praying for someone's growth and betterment. That to me is like that is the sixth love language right there. Do you pray for the people that you fucking love? Do you ask God to forgive them for their sins? Do you ask God to bless them in the ways that He like that you ask Him to bless you? Really think like I want I want everyone listening to fucking sit on that. Sit on that for a while. Whenever you pray, do you only pray for yourself or do you also pray for the people you love? Do you pray for your parents? Do you pray for your grandparents? Do you pray for your siblings, your cousins, your friends your colleagues anyone that you profess to give a shit about do you pray for them do you pray that god heals their trauma and that their eyes are opened and that they're also successful that they are blessed with abundance and increased knowledge and that they too can get the things that they need in life because that's something um I'm i'm not i'm not saying this out of superiority but that's something that i make a habit to pray about is to pray about my loved ones because I don't want to go through this fucking life alone. I don't. But if I'm going to make it, whatever that is, it's it's making it is different to every person. But if I'm going to make it in the way that I want to, I want my loved ones there with me. And in order to do that, I can't just pray for myself. I have to pray for my loved ones, my friends, all of my friends, whether it's you know our mutual friends within the solar sphere and you yourself as my friend and, and then also my friends in other circles like I pray for everyone that I care about I couldn't say that better myself thanks that, 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 that prayer is deeply healing I personally like I felt some of the worst imprints of from my prayers for healing but I know someone is praying for me regularly for my healing mm-hmm. and I felt that this week I felt a lot of probably the worst deep-rooted imprints in my life, not just sexually, but um, in the past lift this week, and it's it's very real. You can't rush the process, meaning you need to constantly be praying for these people or constantly praying for yourself. You should be praying for others anyway, and also I pray for people I don't know. I pray every day for the downtrodden. I pray for the people who are in slavery right now. There's 40 mm. million people in slavery on this planet right now. Oh, yeah. I pray for the, 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 the children of refugees pray for the people who are put in a bondage who don't know God, the, the people who have lost all hope to enlighten the eyes when they're standing and lift them up to actually empower them to get through what they're going through so I pray for people I know and people I don't know, I pray for a number of things yeah. and it's, it's the most important thing, it's the most important love language really like you hit the nail on the head, it is the sixth and most important love language and that literally just came into my head right there on the spot dude <laughs> I'm not surprised man yeah I mean, that, that, that sort of speaks back to the original question before you went into the circle of, of de, like, degeneracy into prayer is consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the, the conversation you and I had 
uh, January uh, was back and forth was how we sort of we were talking about uh, the, the, the golden one mentioned this. He was, uh, he was talking about politics is downstream from culture, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about everyone worried about politics right now, you're not going to win, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to actually make a change. We can't really do much about the politicians. What we can do, though, is we can influence the culture. We can create the demands of the people by shifting the culture, by embodying a not degener- a regenerative culture, not mm-hmm. a degenerate culture, um, through fitness and health and morality and prayer and all these things. But it didn't sit right with me or Devin that it, it, it stopped that culture. Like, it just didn't seem high enough. We can't go as high as divinity because we don't own divinity. That's God's realm. But mm-hmm. where, what's the closest we can get? And that's consciousness. If we if we can influence consciousness of, of individuals, they can influence culture. They'll influence politics. It always starts, again, it starts within. It always starts within. We see this with the relationship between the father and the man and the man and his wife those two with their children. A lot of people, on a side note real quick, a lot of people when they get married, they have children, they focus more on the children, that's actually wrong. If you and your wife are one, the most important thing is a relationship between man and wife because you're one. If that falls apart, the children fall apart. Yes. Forget it, it's not going to happen. Those children are a literal extension. So if you get that order wrong, you're you're screwed. It's the same thing with consciousness. It it starts within the consciousness and you influence the culture around you that culture with. There have been people I've debated with, you know, sometimes politics has an influence on culture. Sure, sometimes politics can press the buttons of culture. For sure. Um, you know, culture can alter because politics bans something. But guess what? Like, even that's a flip side of things. So remember, remember this, is, this is a negative aspect, but it's, it's a hell of an example. It's prohibition. Did prohibition get people to stop drinking? No, they drank more. Yep. No, they drank more. And people made fortunes. Like, um, whenever they try to make a a, a new language like Esperanto no one spoke it no one speaks it now yep. language happens culturally with colloquialism slang organically new things pop up pronunciations get weird and it catches on accents all of these things they influence language it's culture Gustave Le Bon if anyone hasn't read The Crowd by Gustave Le Bon you need to read it it's a study of a popular mind things things like language can't happen without it, it's actually not crafted by individuals it's crafted by by the mob, by the crowd, the collective mm-hmm. consciousness. But, but if all the people are winning that war within consciously, then it's going to influence the crowd in a certain way, and that will influence politics. So it really, politics can sometimes influence culture, but it's not going to influence consciousness. It's consciousness, then, then culture, then politics. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, something that popped up recently uh, from Josh Rayner Gold, as a matter of fact, was he was talking about it as well, and he he put kind of his own spin. He talked about biology um, being upstream of culture, which biology certainly fits in. We're all biologically driven individuals, but I I had given him my respectful argument on it and put our place our argument on about well, it's, it's consciousness because. Yeah, we all have inherent biological drives. That's what gives us the urge to feed, to breed, to procreate, and go out and gather the resources that we need. But without consciousness, we're just the same thing as animals. We'll rip each other's throats out. We'll savage our own children and do terrible things that we see chimpanzees do on wildlife documentaries. We have to have consciousness. And besides, we've seen biology get inverted and corrupted here in the past 
10 years well even further back i mean as long as trans transgenderism's been a thing and you could get mutilated on a slab and also but just uh, the biological depraved urges of homosexuality in general and for people that get offended about by that with all due respect i don't give a shit i'm muslim when i say i'm muslim do you know what that means it means i'm fundamentally against homosexuality and if any of you out there want to call yourselves christians that means you're against it too i'm not saying go outside and beat up the nearest faggot that you run into i don't care about that i'm not doing that and i'm not going to what i'm saying is i'm against it fundamentally because it doesn't create anything it's an inversion and sodomy is not sex okay but anyways get off my soapbox there the original point is that biology has been has been corrupted like a lot of things have been corrupted so i don't believe that biology alone suffices being upstream of culture consciousness reigns over biology it has to that's why we as humans have been placed as as the stewards of the earth above plant life and fu uh, fungus and animals and not wolves or dolphins or octopus. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, like, Bank Trapper, you, you shared this on this podcast. Really. You know what? I'm God, you're no different from a fucking animal. Oh, man. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> that was one of the greatest lines I have ever ever heard in my life god bless you elijah like when he went on that little tangent i was just like like i felt literally like a burst of energy in my own body i was like yeah that motherfucker's spitting right now yeah Well, it, it, it's it's a negatively charged particle to lean into that animal side of you because, I mean, that's the part of me that I lean into when I'm going to the gym and working out. When I know I'm, you know, especially on the days when it's compound lifts and I'm about to have to, you know, pull 300 plus pounds off the ground or I'm about to do weighted pull-ups. Like I'm going to lean into that animal side of me and I'm going to be a little bit ferocious. It's not going to. It's not going to be directed at other people in the gym. It's just it's it's gonna I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna push it inwards. Like all right, let's fucking do this. And and that's what we'd have to lean into if we went outside and got into a fight with somebody because they wouldn't let us walk away and use our words. It's like okay, now I'm gonna lean into this into my biology, which uh, I was want to talk to. You, uh, that was another thing I was want to talk to you about was the concept of negatively charged particles because I had never heard that term until I started. Uh, perusing through your content, listening to your podcast, and you spoke about it. And I think uh, you would, if I correct me if I'm wrong, you had gotten that term from Pavel Tesluton. Or um, I don't know, I just butchered his surname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I got it from uh, yeah, Pavel, Pavel Tesluton. Um, but he borrowed that term from physics, actually. Okay. So it's like I borrowed it from sports science, he borrowed it from physics. Um, and actually, um, some of my mother's research in religion, too, like uh, some other Christian mystics. Um, when we think about it, it's it, the creation is a, is a reflection of God. Let's take a look at the atom. Mm -hmm. Right? You have uh, you have electrons, negative. You have protons, positive. You mm -hmm. have neutrons, no charge, neutral. We have good. We have evil. We have resistance. Mm -hmm. That is the third force people overlook. And I read about this in the Scroll of Blood and Rain. Which is a whole separate thing, but the atom is our clue to that. 
what happens when we focus too much on the good? What happens when we don't strengthen ourselves? We can be destroyed, right? Then a lot of people's answer that is, I'm going to become evil, right? I'm going to become strengthened and they destroy themselves. No, that's not it either. You need to protect the light within, the Holy Spirit within at all costs, and you protect your children, your wife. You need to be inwardly good so they can be good, though. Right? But how do you strengthen? How do you deal with darkness then? Well, you deal with darkness with resistance. You press against the darkness to grow strong. Um, do not fear the darkness, for pressing against darkness will make you strong. If you're scared of darkness, that's how darkness wins. If you're not scared, then it has no power. Hell has no force left here. Mm. There are things that have that inherently negative energy, that abundance of negative energy, things that inherently have a positive uh, amount of energy. The reason why I don't listen to music the way I used to anymore is because I understand these principles. I don't listen to... uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, or um, Swans, or Turna, all these negatively charged bands without a purpose of utility, or my mother saying, right, this is what this is, I'm pressing against this to grow stronger. Mm-hmm. My light will grow stronger because I'm pressing against it. When I want to heal, I, I want my the song in my mind to be constantly playing to be a positively charged part. The, the bass line should be a positively charged part. Mm. For me, those two songs, uh, Tabula Rasa by Arvo Park, I wrote a post about this one as well. Arvo Park is an Estonian composer who, devout Orthodox Christian, in 19, uh, he composed with a traditional, what's called, 12-tone system of composition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he disappeared for nine years and he came out with a whole new style of uh, composition called Tintinbuli, which translates to accumulation of little bells. He debuted at Tabula Rasa in Tallinn in 1977. Uh, he, it's two movements, Ludus and Salentium. Ludus can be described as, honestly, if you listen to it, this clash on the earth, like just cataclysm. And it, it seems like all is lost, and then it goes into Salentium, the second movement. Which, to me, is not of this earth. And not only that, and it concluded in its debut in Thailand. No one spoke for five minutes on the clap because every everyone in that concert hall felt that they had heard God. That's the song I want in my head. The other one is a song called Return to by Max Richter. Uh-huh. Fantastic composer. I have different songs and rhythms I have in my head in combat. In certain situations, my bass line has a certain rhythm. If I see I've hurt the guy and I can finish him, as it goes into a different song, faster pace. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't, cons- I don't regularly consume those. I'm actually pressing against those in my mind to then press against my opponent. Um, that's the way we use the energy. That's the way we grow strong, and that's the way we protect the light without poisoning ourselves. Never, ever consume the negative chart particles. Mm-hmm. I've done it a couple times for the sake of writing. The writing was good. But honestly, I could have done it without it. And I've mm-hmm. been setting up course for like a week at least. Oh, yeah. I wrote my post about, um, I wrote a poem about, uh, called Alluring Trauma. How trauma is like, trauma is a drug, man. Oh my God, you want more of it. Yeah. Oh, you want, 
You want to bask in it? You want to dance with it through midnight? You want to feel like you're on drugs with it? You want to know it's it's awful. It'll beg you to stay, and you'll want to stay. And that's why I I, I integrated with the negatively charged particle, and I regretted doing it because I was off course for like a month after. Oh yeah. My femme fatales, I did. I was off course for almost a week. I was like, I can't do this. Like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't even matter for the sake of art. You can do this for the sake of art. Mm-hmm. All the people I met who do psychedelics said I could have achieved that without psychedelics. You don't need it. Um, so that that's that's what I use music for. That's what I and, and places too. Like, mm-hmm. I go to certain places that are positively charged particles. I go to certain places that are negatively charged particles for very different reasons. People as well. I'll expose myself to certain people to press against them and walk away. Honestly, I'll keep them. I'll keep them at a distance. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it's family members. Yeah, it sucks, but it's the way it is. Positively charged people uh, be around them. They'll heal you. It's wonderful. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So beneficial. God bless Please. them. God, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that, that's my whole philosophy on that. I, I think uh, the, the 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 song that really it wasn't the first one that I was doing this with. I didn't realize I was doing. So I heard that bobble around the same time I heard him say that. Mm-hmm. It was summer of last year when Oakland was in full lockdown. It was very spooky. There's a song by called by Swans called Bring the Sun. Listen to that. Oh, be vigilant. Pray. Like, trust against that. It was a wild ride. Uh, yeah. Man. I'm writing these songs down so I can listen to them later. <laughs> 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 Oh man, dude. Um, it's getting around that time where I need to get some dinner, and so I think this is a great, uh, great place to segue into a Q and A. We got some questions from some of our listeners. Absolutely. All right. I got about uh, roughly five to ten minutes left. So okay. Yeah. Perfect wrap up, brother. So <clears throat> the first question is: What style of training has the best carryover for Muay Thai and combat sports, or does sport-specific training work best? He's talking about like a general fitness routine. Um, so I'll say my bit on this, and I'll let you go off. I'll tell you from my own experiences, um, sport-specific training is great. Like if you are training martial arts, uh, like, okay, so when I was training judo, I got great at judo by practicing judo, doing uchikomis, uh, fit-ins, randori, which is sparring, uh, you know, throwing each other. So sport-specific training is a must if you're going to get into martial arts. It's been, and, and, and even more so if you're going to compete, if you have an interest in competing. But either way, if you're training martial arts, the best way to get better at that martial arts is to do sport-specific training. However, you can also do uh, a workout routine outside of that. And you all already probably know what I'm going to say. The man to go to for training programs suited to your needs based on martial arts is the gentleman I'm talking to right now, Arthur has workout programs and in fact he just had um a sale not too long ago where he dropped the price down hopefully you capitalized on that if not you can still capitalize on that it's just gonna cost a little bit more but i'll say this it's worth every penny the workout program i'm doing is one that he wrote for me it works i am consistently going up on my deadlifts my weighted pull-ups with progressive overload and it's not overtraining me. I'm able to train Thai boxing and I'm able to do these workouts and I enjoy them and I'm seeing the results aesthetically and performatively. So that's my uh, spiel on that. And I was like, yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 
Yeah, of course, man. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to promote anything that I haven't tried for myself and see the fruits of it. Oh, so this isn't just some bullshit endorsement. His workout programs fucking work. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's actually. So there's, you know, when it comes to the actual strength and conditioning aspect, like there's no, there's no substitute for getting good at your sport and your sport, but you actually have to know the principles. And the, the reason I'm able to write programs effectively is I know all the principles of physical training that apply or don't apply. Um, I know some things will not be beneficial for your sport, but true central nervous system based strength applies to everything. It's apparent quality. Um, true conditioning applies to everything. Um, even, even training the muscular system in a certain way that won't ruin you for your sport or training it at a certain day where like I don't train the muscular system on sparring days. You kidding? No, I want to be fresh for sparring. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be sore for sparring. Um, you can sequence these things accordingly but you need to know the principles. So there's no real one style of training to be honest. Um, I mean if you're ready to ask me one, like one, um, Soviet style weightlifting. It's the best. It really is. Plain yeah. and simple. There we go then. This, this next one isn't a question. It's more like a statement. This is too much high-quality, pure-blood sperm in one uh, podcast episode, and it's going to be a risk to the global homo depopulation plan. Form a line, girls. <laughs> yes, I know who wrote that. I know, I know who wrote that. Um, the next question. If a barbarian, a ninja, and a gorilla fought, who would win? <laughs> Um, how long? How many consecutive days did the barbarian sun his balls? That's the question that's going to ter- determine that outcome. So someone do the math. I know someone can. Someone do the math. Someone do the bro math. Get, get our bro mathematicians <laughs> in here. <laughs> um, since you are both Basque, if you met in person, would you be best friends or mortal enemies? We're already we're already friends. Yeah, we're already really good. Next right. questions. See, there we go. See, see, look at that. See these synchronicities. Okay, here we go. This is an outstanding question, and I'm going to let you answer this because you know better than I do. Why are Turkish get ups the answer? Oof. Um, dude, that's a big question. That's like my favorite exercise, too. Um, it, it trains the, ma- the short answer. Um, when, you talk, when you see the three planes of movement, uh, fronts, back, side to side, and rotational, life saving. This is a quote from Pat McNair that I love. That's where life-saving and ass-kicking is, right? A lot of people get injured when they do real-life shit, when they do sort of weights forward or back or side, maybe a little bit side to side, because they, they expect to have that strength carry over rotationally, but they haven't trained the rotational plane, so that's weak. When you train the Turkish get-up, and then beyond that, it's even harder as the bent press. Most people don't know what it is. I'm going to do a post about bent pressing. Um, it trains the max effort of the rotational plane. When you see guys doing the, when you see them doing rotational medicine ball slams, that's great. But you're actually not training the parent quality, which is the strength, mm-hmm. right? That that's gonna the power for you're gonna get from that is gonna plateau because you're not training the parent quality. So when you do heavy getups in the correct format of rest and reps, you're going to train that that rotational plane. Um, beyond that too, it also will strengthen everything else. It strengthens every limb. It strengthens the core. Um, and honestly, there's a spiritual thing of doing like heavy Turkish getups. Like, is it true? Maybe this like this because this happened around the time when I was like doing the path of the martyrdom. It's like this grounded like practice and worship to God for me personally. That's a separate thing. But 
The real benefits are what I, I said regarding rotational transverse plane strength and max effort uh, strength within that rush. There you go. There's your answer. <laughs> All right. Beside com besides combat sports, is there any other sport that can benefit you in your life? Hmm. For me personally, combat sports is exactly what I need. So I'm satisfied. I, so it's funny. I don't actually get peace from combat sports, which is going to sound very strange to me. Um, I actually get peace and get anchored from like heavy weightlifting. Um, I get ramped. Like it's actually a gradient. The, the, the craziest I get when I train because I don't hard spar mm -hmm. I don't um, is in is in hard conditioning so it was like heavy bag rounds um, you know an hour of jump rope followed by an hour of circuits just going absolutely full bore because most things if you go full bore you're going to compromise something mm -hmm. right um, so for me that's the craziest idea whereas the most and in between that is Muay Thai and Kyokushin and boxing and Sabat and all the striking arts that I do mm -hmm. And then the thing that's actually most peace for me is, is weightlifting. I think that's why I like weightlifting, right? That brings me more peace. In terms of other, like, and yeah, like, it's like, oh, it's not really a sport. It's, it's like, no, it, it, weightlifting is a sport. Um, strongman, all that. Uh, marathon running, those yep. amazing things. I think maybe if someone's asking for a team sport, I don't know. I don't fucking do team sports. Rugby looks pretty damn cool, and so does hockey. I'll say that much. Actually, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because that's, that's pretty violent. Um, yeah. And it's an, it's an endurance thing, too. It's not stop and go, like, yeah. So I think that's actually cooler, to be honest. But, yeah. It's going to piss a lot of people off, but I really don't care. Oh, well, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> is it truly possible for a high-caliber man to have two or more wives? What is the process? Uh, she's probably asking this because I'm Muslim, and I've talked about uh, polygamy before in Islam. So for those of you who don't know, in Islam, a man can have up to four wives. Now, I don't personally know any Muslims who are married who have more than one wife. And this isn't just something. Uh, so you know, there's, there's, we we joke about in this corner of the internet, especially with the right wing bodybuilder bros, talking about like having a harem of concubines or multiple trad wives. And I, I, I've joked about this before, and I've also talked about polygamy before, multiple wives. Um, it's not a mat necessarily a matter of comfort. Like, oh, look at me, my four women. What a lot of guys think of is they they just think of the fantasy of being married to four women and getting to fuck them all the time and fuck them all at once in an orgy or something, but. Uh, the reason why polygamy popped up as an option in Islam is because um, whenever hard times would come, hard times always hits men the hardest. So you get men that die from making hard times easy again, whether it's warfare, natural disaster, or some other type of calamity. There would be a disproportionate amount of women to men. So what would that mean? It means that there are more maidens waiting to get married and have children in the future than there are suitable husbands. It means that some woman who was already married just lost her husband, so now she's a widow, or it's a woman with kids, and now those kids are orphaned. So those women need providers, and so what would happen would be the remaining men would take in those women as wives, as extra wives. So the men who would come back from the war that already had a wife, they would take in extra wives because there was a surplus of women and not enough individual men to marry each one. Also... Yeah, okay, you, you can have four wives, which means hypothetically you can have sex with all four of them. Good for you. You have to maintain your frame with each one of those women by Islamic standards. So let's say I get married, have a wife, and then God calls me to take on a second wife or a third wife or a fourth wife. I have to have my frame switched on 
just like any man has to do with his one wife, he has to maintain his frame. So that's extra pressure, extra responsibility, extra endurance I have to have to deal with not just one woman, but two, three, or four women and all the kids that I have between them. Also, I have to provide for each of them equally. That means emotionally with the love that I devote to them. They, they each have to have their own house. It's not going to be four of us living in one house together. I have to provide for each wife, extra wife I have their own home to live in. I have to provide for them financially or make sure that they're provided for financially, You know, helping them get set up with a job or something. So it's not easy peasy, lemon orgy squeezy. It's me being able to provide and like being that means doing high value man shit that means providing for all four of them so that they all feel you know acknowledged loved cared for fucked properly all of that stuff most guys do not have the stamina for that and as and as of right now i really just want one wife that's enough for me so yeah that's the process that's the process of having more than one wife Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't actually desire having more than one wife. I really would just like to have one wife and be bonded, flesh and blood, just like what you described. I, I'm more fond of the Christian concept. And, and again, um, polygamy is not something that Muslims talk about casually. You know, we don't really joke about it amongst our community. Like I said, every Muslim I've ever met, they just have one wife, and they're happy. They're happy like that. They're satisfied. It's enough. That makes that, that makes a world of sense to me, man. And like, I, I really, if that was on the table, Christianity, I'd be like, no, thanks, man. Yeah. That shit. I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to live life alone for my entire life. Like, I've just recently had God shift me in another yeah. direction, wholeheartedly, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have ten kids with my wife, and we all have ten kids. Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely want multiple kids. Tips for when my mates blast me about not getting the vax, naming me an idiot and calling me stupid. Okay, they're not your friends. They're a bunch of bug men. So here's your sign. It, it's that blunt and it's that simple. If they're going to insult you for not getting a vaccine over a fucking virus, which they haven't even isolated and it has a 99.97 survival rate, fuck them. They're not your friends. They're a bunch of sheep. You should do better. Not your friends, bro. They're not going to make it, but you you can still make it. Yeah, or maybe you can get stronger and then influence them. Uh, maybe there's something about you that I can't probably influence all four of them. I've influenced four people at once, but I was very strong in my convictions, body, mind, and spirit. So uh, retreat from them, put them out of your life. Maybe you can save them later, but for now, forget it. They're not your friends. There you go. Pie or cake? <laughs> this, is, this is a KJ. Either. I eat dessert. <laughs> Don't eat dessert, bro. What's dessert? Oh, you mean more steak? Yeah, more push-ups? Got it. Ugh. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I like pie more than cake. One, one, once upon a time, I liked key lime pie. That's about it. There we go. I really liked cookies once upon a time, too, but I was not really big on cake. Yeah. No. <laughs> what are you currently working on? Um... So as for myself, I am working on something. I'm not going to spill the beans until the time is proper, and that's all I'm going to say on that. But I am working on something. I know what it is, but I'm not going to spill the beans either. Um, as, as it says right now, uh, 
I'm not. I've been obviously quieter content-wise with a lot of in real life stuff that needs to be very, very organized right now and taken care of. Um, that should pass soon. Um, I'm trying to finish the ebook. <laughs> Dude, it was supposed to come out, but I got hit with fights and stuff. Uh, the fall of testosterone. Like I've been teasing that one since July. I'm sorry, guys. I really am. Um, so I'll, I'll release that, and then uh, once that's released, I can uh, I can announce the poetry book that will be released in physical copy through Blood Rain Books, um, titled "The Fury Unrivaled." And then I'm actually I found an editor who, whom you all know actually you might know from Instagram um, to help me edit the full length novel next year. So that'll come out sometime next year, uh, depending on the editing process. Uh, that's what I'm working on right now. Um, I'm gonna build the training business up more, Blood and Train, you know, in parentheses Train, and uh, there'll be a clothing brand for Blood and Rain coming too next year. That's everything Blood and Rain wise that you need to know. That's that's it right there. Done. Here we go. I'm not telling you anything else to do with my personal <laughs> All right. And our final question. I'm an ex-degenerate saved by God. Is my past worth ever bringing up or should it be buried forever? So that's, uh, that's something that I've uh, grappled with myself being someone from a you know degenerate past. In my experience, it's contextual. Not everybody needs to know about your past. It, it's Again, it's truly contextual. You know... Um, Maybe, I don't know if you're asking that broadly, but it's broadly worded. Maybe you're thinking about your future wife or should you bring it up to your parents. I would, um, my own philosophy, um, first off, you're just going to have to own your sins. God knows all of them. And you're going to have to, you're just going to have to own up to them. If it, if it's a sin committed against another person, like you did something devious to another person, your best thing to do would be to atone for that. And atonement means... Uh, confronting that person and you know feeling sorry for it and expressing your sorrow for it and asking for forgiveness and apologizing for it as far as other people needing to know again that's it's contextual um don't lie to them whatever you do don't lie to them this is this is uh that's particularly a problem with women when they lie to men about their sexual past and they lie about how many partners they've had the worst thing you can do to a suitor, a man that you're hoping chooses you to be a husband, is fucking lie to him. And then later on when you're married, he's going to find out because the truth surfaces. And let me tell you something. The truth never surfaces at a convenient moment when you're the person trying to hide the truth. When you're the, when you're the deceiver or the liar, it's going to pop up at the worst possible moment. I'm saying this from my own experiences where these things have come to bite me in the ass. So... Don't lie about your past if someone confronts you on it. But if you, as far as omitting it or only sharing as much as you want to, that's a whole different story. It's up to you. That's up to you to make your own choices with it. But don't don't lie about it. If you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to talk about it. But don't lie about it. I agree with that for the most part. And sometimes. For, for Christians, it's just repentance. You may never, nice to never see that person again. They may, may not. Also, they may not be the type of person who deserves for you to ask them for forgiveness. If, the, if that, that sounds kind of strange, but no, actually, you're you're right. You're right. You're right about that. I, I think um, so. But yeah, but make it right with God. Repent um, and, and turn turn a new leaf, man. I mean, in terms of bringing up the past, bring up the past for the sake of healing. Confront the things that are plaguing you to this day and vanquish them and resolve them so you can be a better servant to others. Um, 
And then actually bringing it up, sometimes God will bring that up in your testimony to help others as an example. But only when you feel called to it. You don't need to go broadcasting like, I used to be this, now I'm... Like, unless you feel called to. But, like, know what is your urge and what is God's calling. That's the key. Yeah. Couldn't have said that better myself. So, um, so that concludes our podcast. Arthur, thank you so much for your time and for uh, indulging me in this conversation, man. I always learn something from you and I always feel energized after talking with you, man. Um, you're an amazing friend and you know what? I'm just going to say you're my favorite content creator on Instagram, period, dude. I'm not saying I don't like other people's content, but your, yours is my favorite because like it resonates with me the hardest. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being so gracious as to invite me and to speak. Um, and thank you for being, you know, a brother to me. Genuinely. You I consider you a brother. You're the way you speak too is not typically the way I speak to hear someone loud and high through most. You have the gift of the bar, you know, sometimes it hits hits me at the right time. I'm usually thinking inside, I'm usually inward, you're very outward, and I really appreciate the way the, the gifts that God has given you and the way you use them and the way yeah. God speaks to you. It's it's amazing. It's a blessing and I'm honored to know you here, brother. Likewise, man. It's a privilege to be in this life with you. Um, so, where can people find you and how can people support your work? Um, it's blood underscore and underscore rain on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter. Um, won't be for a while at least. Who knows? Um, you can find my podcast on Spotify and any other place where podcasts or listen to it's a podcast the same name blood and rain um wrapping back up with blood and rain books which is a subscription content service um so basically on patreon and gumroad uh subscribe for five dollars a month you'll get weekly uh, short stories poetry and um short stories poetry and articles um it's been an, it's been inactive so i'm gonna be shooting back a lot of money to people who have been subscribing due to inactivity be perfectly frank, that's, that needs to be revitalized and in a, in a structure that is sustainable, and that's why a lot of the in-real-life stuff that I'm doing right now has to do with organization for that matter, so people get their money's worth. Um, but when this Fall of Testosterone and Hard Rock is debuted, uh, that'll be a free ebook and brings attention to Blood Rain Books. Blood Rain Books will be fully restored. Um, that's very key for me right now. Um, and that's, uh, you can find that in Gumroad and Patreon. Yeah. Oh, and uh, blood in, if you're looking for high-quality workout programs, that's also through Gumroad. Uh, you'll see the Unblood Rain Gumroad, just blood and, and uh, blood and train with the T in parentheses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So check out Arthur's content. I think you'll all find it very pleasing, very refreshing, and very visceral. Aesthetically, mentally, spiritually, and physically with his blood and, tra- uh, his blood and train programs. So... And as Arthur always says, good night and good storms. Thank you.